Hello and welcome to episode 158 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, Forever Noise, the man, the myth, the obscure tenant, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Oh, that was good. <laughs> I like that. Um, <laughs> on this week's episode, we say goodbye to Frau, check in on Wanda, and try to defend Jacob, along with other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, Tenet. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Sorry, hopefully enterprising fans of the show will figure out what I did there. Um, but just in case, I'll clarify it in the outro. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so we are drinking Brewdog Clockwork Tangerine. Um, I don't foresee us doing Clockwork Orange, though why the hell not? I've never seen the movie. Mm. So. Same. Uh, but that's kind of why I grabbed this beer for the... F- I'm pretty sure I grabbed this beer because I remember seeing it and I was like, why the hell not? That seems. I, I was I was actually going to ask you if this was one of mine because I have I've bought a number of things from these people. Okay, I think it was mine, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Mm-hmm. It's funny because it's been sitting in there long enough now because we've had multiple like times where we dispersed beer to each other that like <laughs> we definitely have had overlap and like gone through entire like batches and oh, yeah. left ones from like previous batches. 100 percent. So this is a Tangerine Session IPA with natural flavor, 4.5% alcohol by volume. Um, Clockwork Tangerine, a fully automated, sessionable IPA infused with tangerine. Perfectly timed delivery of juicy citrus with notes of mellow tropical fruits, followed by subtle notes of caramel and toasted malt, all wrapped up in a medium body ale. A director's cut for the 21st century. Clockwork Tangerine, IPA precision for the people. What? I don't understand. Is the fully automated session, is the fully automated bit of that like some sort of joke about Clockwork Orange that I don't get? I'm uh, going to assume so, but I right. wouldn't know because I haven't seen it. I just assume that maybe it was like uh, it was being thrown around as a buzzword as it is in just engineering as a whole. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I suppose that's possible. This is a fragrant beer, Al. It is. I uh, accidentally like brought the, the glass across my nose and whiffed it. And I was like, Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> it was right before it's um, it actually like, I get more of a, uh, it almost smells like mango to me. Like I think it's cause it's like, it's almost got like a sickly sweet nose. Yeah. I try not to totally like cheat before we got started. I wanted to make sure that the, you know, and all of the olfactory joy was on the recording. Mm. No, it's definitely tangerine. The thing is, yeah, I, I, know, I mean, it's there. The thing is, if you had just put this beer in front of me, I would have been like, oh, fruity. I wouldn't have <laughs> no, necessarily... I take a big whiff of it and go, that's a wine punch. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have necessarily identified it without being prompted that it was sure. tangerine. But knowing that it was tangerine, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, this wasn't like when we did the guava. <laughs> <laughs> this actually, it does... Um, I was joking when I said Hawaiian punch, but now it's it's it triggered what it is exactly that it smells like to me, and it smells exactly like one of the pre workouts that I have. Mm, okay, okay. And um, I don't love it, <laughs> so I'm I'm cautious say, cautiously was, approaching this one. I was gonna say I don't think I would necessarily say this this smells like Hawaiian punch, but definitely <laughs> a uh, punch of punch. sorts. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get, let's let's give this. Let's keep shot. silently sniffing. Yeah. I mean, it smells Cheers. delightful. It really Cheers. is. That tastes like tangerine. It does. That yeah, I like the way it tastes better than the way it smells. I like both. I'm not entirely sure which I like better. Mm. You know what it smells like? What tricks? 
Uh, you know, it's been a long time since I had tricks. I can't mm-hmm. evaluate that statement. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess it's true, right? That memories and smell are linked together because I don't think I've had tricks. Uh, I don't know in t- twenty five years. <laughs> you know what? I've had a lot more recently than twenty five years, though. What? Tangerines, and that's. <laughs> <laughs> Well played, well played. Um, I it's it's okay. I'm not impressed. Um, no, I'm thinking this is like a two thuckle beer. I was gonna so, say I might I might just go a, a fuckle. Okay, I mean I think, gonna, yeah, basically on the same wavelength there. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're close. It's not. Yeah, it's not, I don't really want it again. Is what I'm getting at. <laughs> well, it's definitely not correct for the fact that it snowed yesterday, but. Mm. I needed a little pick me up from the snow and just generally what's going on in my life and work. Like not sure. like I, I, I'm good. It's just like mm-hmm. everything around yeah. me is turmoil. So it's yeah. Like, so you going for the, the 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 summer? The summer feels. Yeah, I that's what we did last week too, right? Didn't we have like a summery beer? Did we? We had a juice. Did we have a juice boss? Was that last week? What is time? Uh was that last week or the week before? I don't know. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> um, but not bad. Not bad. I'll give it. I'll give it a not bad. Not good, not bad. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a thought. I think I think solid. I think I, I am properly whelmed by this. Beer. You're you are you are whelmed. Uh, cool. Uh, well, let's get into some news and nuggets. So we're gonna oh, cruise right har- along. We had harpoon fresh tracks last week. That's Uber right. Was the week before that, and that one was like the that was the uh, piney one, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say Burt Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> but why? That, uh, that's one of my favorite stupid bits in 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 Archer. There was a the beginning of the fifth season. Archer Vice. Um, they all get arrested because it turns out that their spy agency is not certified by the government. <laughs> so mm. the they've been doing is wildly illegal, <laughs> and they interrogate all of them. And they show this like medley of all of them being interrogated and so you start hearing all of them they're all like oh we're gonna like no one's gonna roll over on each other and all of them immediately start throwing each other on the bus <laughs> and show them, like, cut up and so you see you know like uh i want to say burt reynolds because burt reynolds <laughs> plays himself <laughs> right, in right. the show at one point and like, <laughs> of course like obsessed with burt reynolds's like entire filmography yeah so they got cuts of you know like this and like you just hear like a snippet of like a sentence from each person. It's like, oh, I remember that episode. Oh, I remember that episode. You know, so and yeah. like, my favorite part is it, Cyril goes desecrating a corpse, and then it's like cut, 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 desecrating another corpse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Burt, um, Burt Reynolds. You know, I want to see Burt Reynolds. And, and then there's another character. I want to see Burt Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that's funny. Um, Al, who died? Well, first of all, Burt Reynolds. Um, sure. But that's not what we're talking about in this, because um, just a couple of hours before we start recording, Cloris Leachman died. Mm. So rest in peace, Frau Booker. I would do a horse sound, but I it's not going to come out. I was expecting a neigh. Yeah, it, it's not. I can't. It sounds more like no, a Yoda every laugh. Every time you do it, it sounds, you're just doing the Yoda laugh from that's right. Empire. <laughs> <laughs> I know what if, if you're trying Hang to- on. <laughs> Parallel universe. Where that's what horses sound. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know you keep trying to winny, but I can't do it. Yoda laughing in Dagobah. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> mine. <laughs> 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 oh, I love it. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, how old was she? She was ninety four. Ninety four. Did you say that already? 
Uh, I don't think so. Okay, cool. I want to make sure that I wasn't not listening to you. That, that's a that's a life, huh? Good yeah. for you. Good for she, you. I, well, I, what I didn't realize is she won an Oscar and like a whole bunch of Emmys as well. So like, oh sweet, what did she win an Oscar for? <laughs> I saw the things. I saw the title of the movie earlier, and it wasn't a movie I'm familiar with, and it okay. was several words, and so I they're jumbling around in my head. It was like something a life whatever, and I'm just gonna butcher it. Why bother? Is kind of the point. I, I now imagine that that entire run-on sentence was the title of the movie. <laughs> Never heard of it. I can tell you that the movie was in 1971. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Well, it was easier to remember wow. those four numbers than it was the eight words in the title. Yeah. So she comes out. She's coming out making these this hysterical character. She's winning Oscars. Not even born yet. Good for her. <laughs> yes. Um, also, she was like Miss Chicago in 1946 or something. Hmm. I saw a picture of her like like on the metal stage or whatever. Gotcha. Um, I, I will say uh, that's a, a, a nice live. 95, that's pretty fantastic. I am uh, I'm sorry that this last year was your last year, though. Yeah, it's not a great way to go out. Um, no. No. But, uh, I mean, she she was funny. She apparently was like a talented actress as well. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Frau Blucher is an iconic one. I always oh, yeah. particularly love her as Great Gam Gam in Beerfest. Um, mm-hmm. Her playing this sweet old woman who turned out to be an old Bavarian whore is oh yeah <laughs> hysterical. Great writing, <laughs> great writing, and her performance. And she, let me warm up these sausages for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, oh, I can fit at least nine inches of this. In my mouth. <laughs> I just, I just love the end of it. Like when, when the, the the wow, I guess Gam Gam really was a whore, and the one of the two of them just goes ah. <laughs> oh man oh good uh congratulations on your long life i don't know, I don't know what, what do you say now like how do we uh, how do you transition out of this that's my best that's the best go at it that i have <laughs> she had a hell of a run yeah he had a hell of a run i like and yeah okay may the credits roll <laughs> and <laughs> moving on uh i got one for you the man. <laughs> <laughs> i uh, so as you know, as the as the listenership knows, is that it? Listenership. <laughs> I don't think it's quite the audience. The audience. Knows. <laughs> I'm gonna go listenership. Listenership. I think as they know, about the total number of people who listen. That's right. As they know, uh, I've been getting into Apple TV shows as of late. I watched a bunch of them that I really, really liked. Thought they were fantastic. I was shocked that I had no misses. And then I watched Defending Jacob, and it was a miss. And it's not... Was that the one with Chris it, Evans? It is. Yeah. And though this is not me hating Chris Evans, <laughs> I've come <laughs> around on him. <laughs> no, I was just trying to place it in my mind. I remember seeing the trailer. There's there's a thing... Okay, so here's here was my problem with it. Um, By the way, I was did, actually, we tra- did we transition from Rest in Peace, Cloris Leachman, to Rest in Peace, Perfect Apple Shows? That's right. Was that your transition, really? That was it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so... Uh, it's a little bit different than the other ones that I've watched. It's not set up to be a series. It was a limited run. It was seven or eight episodes and that's it. It's the whole, it's a whole story and it's done based on a book. And I get, I get it. It's like a, you know, it's a, it's a drama. It's a murder mystery. Uh, There's a court case. There's a kid being tried. Um, It's all tangled up in that the kid being tried is the son of the district attorney. Assistant DA, Chris Evans, who never saw it coming, like that whole thing. And uh, 
you know, he's got to defend Jacob, as it were. And <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> so you're going along for the ride and you're like trying to piece it together, trying to figure it out. Like, did he do it? He didn't do it. Sorry, I was also did he do I was it? paying it back to you and like partially not listening. And I'm trying to remember uh, the show. Uh, this is the one with his son is accused of sexual assault. No, his son is accused of murder. Oh, I thought it was sexual assault. No, um, um, not not whatever. Just it was a serious crime. I don't know. No, there is some sexual assault in the show too. Oh, fantastic! Um, <laughs> fantastic. The so you know you're going through it, and it's one of those shows that it's not. All right, I'm going to give a little, it's, it's, I, I, it's a spoiler a bit that I'm about to say, but um, I think you should go in knowing this if you're going to watch it. Uh, the ending is not, there's no, there's no answer. There's no clear cut answer. There's a, there's a pretty reasonable um, conclusion that you could draw yourself, but it's but not it's slightly it, open-ended. Yeah. But if you're, if you are the court, I think. So it's like, what's it called? Um... Zodiac? It's like Zodiac. I don't remember the movie. Uh, the the one with the Zodiac killings. And no, the- I know. I I watched like everything that came out around that time because I was fascinated, and it's all just gone. <laughs> I watched it last year for the first time, and it was a classic. Families in predominantly quarantine. Let's watch a movie on Friday night type of deal, mm-hmm. and um, it was actually a really good movie. I don't know why I never got around to it before then, and. I'm pretty sure that was about the same thing. I mean, I don't want to totally spoil the movie, but the fact that you come to the conclusion at the end of the movie that it almost certainly is X, and mm-hmm. like they never 100% prove it, but they kind of leave you with an epilogue that's like, we're O.J. Simpson, sure. Right. Right. No, that's I, I think that's I think that's kind of where we're at here. Um, it comes down to the the fact that it's like, there isn't a there isn't a clear cut answer by the end of the movie, which is one thing that you should I think you should be prepared for going in, um, because that's a that could be a frustrating thing. Maybe and, I mean I guess, but it can be a bit of a spoiler to know that there is no resolution. I don't know. It maybe yeah, that's that's that is fair. I will say that the my problem with it is um, I actually like that kind of cliffhanger. I like that thing that leaves it like I like a good open ending, right? Where it's mm-hmm. they've given me enough to chew on, where. Um, you can make a conclusion, but like I don't know. I feel like something like uh, Inception, for example. That's what I, I feel like. Bring up where like to me, it's kind of ninety ten. It yeah, I think that's that's fair to say, and I I have like a a strong opinion or a strong theory on how that movie has played out and what it means and where it went, uh, and I'm okay with that. I like the conversation around the movie. I think it's great. I think it's fun, and I do think that that's the intention going in. I feel like this was more sold to me as a story that was going to have a conclusion. And the fact that it didn't, I guess, maybe takes away from it. What I'm getting at is there's a good way and a bad way to do the open ending. And I don't Mm. think that they nailed it. I mean, it requires really strong writing because I think a lot of people want to do it because it can be quote unquote shocking or quote unquote provocative. Because like it just in the like not in like the snarky sense, in the sense of it will provoke conversation, hopefully Mm -hmm. entertaining conversation. Right. Um, but if you don't have strong writing, and honestly, especially when it comes down to a movie like editing, um, it's going to fall flat. Yeah. like You can fall on one side or the other of a quote-unquote open ending, right? But if it's done well, you're left satisfied with the fact. Otherwise, if it's going to have slightly less strong writing, you'd rather have something definitive, even if it's something you don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was definitely this sense of like, 
I think maybe, uh, yeah, it definitely has to do with uh, maybe a little bit of a weakness in the writing in that if the writing was stronger, I would have not enjoyed might not be the right word, but I would have been captivated by the ride. Whereas every episode, Kim and I were kind of just like, but can we can we get there? Like it's it's kind of like we were. It wasn't that fascinating. Like it wasn't that intriguing. The the minute by minute of the show, it was more like I want to get to the end to know how this is played, how this has played out. But the ride itself was not that enjoyable or that captivating. So I don't know. It was a it was a miss. But that being said, I'm I'm being kind of hard on it. Like it's better than a lot of things. Uh, it's just it's not nearly as good as the other stuff on the platform that I've watched so far. Yeah. So it 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 is officially for me the worst thing on Apple TV that I have watched. Which, granted, it's not a lot of things, but sure, someone's uh, got to be zero. Was, I was gonna say it was bound <laughs> to happen eventually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, that's that's over with. Um, we've taken a hiatus. We're not currently watching anything on Apple TV. So I don't know what we're gonna, what's next. Pop. Al, yes, what's going on with Game of Thrones? Okay. Um. So there's been rumored for obviously a couple of years that was that one show that they did a pilot of and like cast a whole bunch of names and then they quickly destroyed it. Like, yeah, I'm talking about like HBO's like, no, yeah. <laughs> the pilot never saw the light of day. Hell, you can even find parts of the Game of Thrones pilot, which has a couple different actors and actresses in it that were recast before the show went to series order. Um, then they just went straight to series with the House of the Dragon which mm-hmm. is the other prequel. There was others that, that you heard treatments of that had more or less um, intrigue around them or more or less like buzz that the, it was a potential for being made. But uh, so House of the Dragon is coming around uh, one of these days, but now it seems like they're pushing towards a couple of other ones that have a chance to make it. Um, so there's the mm-hmm. Tales of Duncan Egg, which looks like it's going to get an adaptation or at least there's a strong push towards getting it. Um, okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that in any way, shape or form. I am not. What is it? Um, so it's a series of novellas that he's written since like the mid nineties, like every couple of years, like all of them are like a hundred pages long. Um, and they tell like one specific story about Sir Duncan, the tall and Aegon five Targaryen Aegon, the unlikely, I think was the one he was. Okay. It's him as a boy. It's well before he becomes King. And he is so far down the hierarchy of who can become King. That's why he ends up, being known as Aegon the Unlikely. Um, and it's about Duncan the Tall was kind of a nobody who becomes a hedge knight and becomes like a for real knight um, due to him associating with Targaryens and other greater houses through winning a tournament and all that. They're fun stories um, mm-hmm. because it is like the classic hedge knight type tale where it's like he doesn't have any like lands or anything like that. Um, but you hear stories, but you've heard about both of these characters. If you've read the books, I don't remember if they were mentioned, but Sir Duncan, the tall becomes uh, one of the Kingsguard, one of the most famed like historical Kingsguard, you know, before Sir Barristan, the bold and before, um, you know, Sir Gerald Hightower, you know, all those, you know, mythical or near mythical names that you hear about in the books for a previous generation. Cause I think the stories take place about a hundred years before the start of game of Thrones. Okay. Sir Duncan the Tall is one of the names of these Kingsguard knights who was legendary. And so he wrote some stories about how he became that. That's cool. Knight legend, you know? Um, and so it sounds like they're trying to adapt that into a show, which would be cool because 
I now I don't know 100% how you do it because each story I don't know would carry a whole season necessarily. So maybe it could be kind of a limited series where, you know, you have clusters of two or three episodes around each one. Um, but I'm mm-hmm. not 100% sure because it hasn't definitely been like Greenlit or anything like that. But that's one of them, which would be cool. That's one. If you're a fan of Game of Thrones stuff and you but you don't want to go along with any of the disappointment or quite the open-endedness. I mean, the story didn't end. He's always kind of left it open to, well, I could do another one if I want because mm-hmm. they're stopping him. And we know that eventually he'll become this later character. All of them have been with the, the three that came out or all took place like chronologically within like a year or two or three or something like that. Okay. Um, they're just fun stories. I don't know. Um, no, that's they're, cool. They're worth a read. You can knock out all three of them in a, you know, less than a week, you know, without like having to read, heavily so it's right I, I recommend them to anyone who wants to get their hands on them but uh there's further news today about a potential animated show huh um an animated game of thrones drama is in the early stages of development at hbo max multiple sources tell the hollywood reporter meetings with writers for the adult leaning project which would be similar in tone to hbo's emmy winning flagship are already underway no deals have been made and there's still a possibility that the animated series never comes to fruition it's part of a larger strategy to expand the world uh, of George R. R. Martin's fantasy drama. Sources say that development executives at HBO, led by drama head Francesca Orsi and her group, are working directly with Martin on building out the sprawling Game of Thrones world. Um, Martin remains under a rich overall deal with the cabler. Um, the franchise expansion starts with HBO's House of Dragons. <laughs> Sounds like a comic book villain. Right, the, the cabler. <laughs> but like a super <laughs> low-level version of it. <laughs> Um, the franchise expansion starts with HBO's House of the Dragon. The God, why is my computer scrolling? Uh, the prequel that was picked up straight to series in October 2019. The drama starring Olivia Cook, Emma DRC, and Matt Smith will begin production in the spring. Uh, there are other ideas being kicked around for both the premium cable network and streaming sibling HBO Max, including a live action take on the Tales of Duncan Egg. Cool. When? <laughs> <laughs> Two? Three years. <laughs> like some of the stuff, it's like cool, but it might as well not even be happening. Yeah. I mean, well, listen, that we've kind of gotten to that. Well, I guess we're on the other side of the hill on that one, but I, I was it like six years ago that Amazon bought the rights to the Lord of the Rings and they still haven't given yeah. us the show yet. Um, now they've given us 400 people have been casting it now and sure. I'm pretty sure they're actively making it. I think I read something like a week ago saying that. It's very loosely anticipated for being later this year that it comes out. But oh. who knows? Like if COVID fucks it up, I don't know. It might have been sure. le- next year. I actually don't remember now. It should have probably been in my notes, but I forgot about it. And I mm. think I was like in my car at the time, not driving while I was reading about it. But I just didn't think to put it down <laughs> into the notes, and I totally forgot about it. So, <laughs> it's, but like, right yeah, on. I was like, I was like, you know what? It's been a long time since they bought the. Rights. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I. I've been uh, thinking about pick, uh, starting up one of those Lord of the Rings games again. Um, it's been a while since I played one, and I never got like through it. I just like played it for a bit and enjoyed it and moved on. But uh, I think I'd like to actually which one get into it. Uh, Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor, Mordor. I don't remember wh- whichever the first one was. Well, there was two, it, like that one and the direct sequel, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah the, it's one is Shadow of War and one is Shadow of Mordor. I don't remember which one's first. Oh, I thought it was Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of Mordor 2. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I never played them. I was intrigued. Yeah. And I heard the first one was great. So Yeah, what I played of it, I very much enjoyed. No, and I own at least one of them. So The whole Nemesis mechanic sounded awesome to me. Mm-hmm. So. It's really cool. 
Um, but yeah, like I said, I've had the Lord of the Ring it Lord of the Rings itch for a bit. I went to uh, I went to pick something up at Best Buy and um, I was like, oh, let me just check because I do know that like even though online sometimes it says out of stock or not at your store that it could just be there and they don't care to like yeah. update things. Uh, and sure enough, there was a 4K box set of Lord of the Rings, and I was like, oh, sweet. But it said $150, and I was like, hmm, that's not the right price. <laughs> and then I looked it up on the web on the website, and that one's not even listed on Best Buy's website, so it seems odd. But it wasn't the Steelbook version. That one's 120 bucks. It wasn't the regular one. That one's like 90 and change, which is more so what I was looking for. This one was $150, and it like comes with the ring on a necklace, and I was like, I don't really need that. <laughs> <laughs> Can I open this and take the thing inside for 90? <laughs> Does well, it work is, that way? <laughs> I would have given you so much props if at like some point in the next six months without telling me you just ripped it off of your neck <laughs> and slowly started putting your finger into the ring and then like turned your camera oh, off. That, that would be good. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's it's too late for that. <laughs> I mean, just do it, like, put it on your calendar. Do it a year from now when I forget. <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough. Um, <laughs> the payoff would be so great. <laughs> but what I, what I was picking up was my PS5. And I'm oh. very excited to try it. <laughs> so wait, now you have an Xbox X and a PS5? That's right. I did it. I don't know how you got both and I still have zero. Of them. I won at video games. <laughs> you, did. you did win at video games. <laughs> um... I will say, I know, like, it's a thing, right? Like, everybody was like, oh, the PS5 is huge. It's huge. Yeah. It's like, okay, okay. I get it. It's a big console. And then I opened it up, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I see. <laughs> well, the thing is, I kept seeing pictures of it. I was like, yeah, no, it seems big. And then I don't remember what specifically I saw it next to. And I'm like, oh, like, I saw a picture of it. And, like, it was, I don't remember what the item was that it was next to now, but, like, it was something that I had a very good feel for spatially as to how big it is. And yeah. seeing the two of them next to him, even though it wasn't me seeing in real life, made me very certain how oversized it was. Yeah. I think like if you, it's about four Brewster glasses <laughs> next to each other and then one on top. <laughs> uh, wait, what are Brewster glasses and why are we putting them next to it and on top of each other? There's they're the beer glass that or they were called that at one restaurant, but the beer glass that goes the the big one that fits like the 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 20 ounces or so, maybe more 20 like something. Tall, ounces. Like the tall, like skinny, like champagne flute type one. Uh, the, the ones that I have in the closet that you grab when you come over here. They're, yes. They're, okay. Yeah. Cause I have glasses like that too. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the traditionally Dave and Buster's will give them to you with, <laughs> with a blue moon in it. <laughs> is it the blue glass moons? That was, is it the glass that, that, which, who is that? There was a, was it Newton? Was it Newton who did the, 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 I forget, one of those old mathematician slash physicist slash chemist, whatever, would do parlor tricks for like kings and princes with like a, like a, it was one of them specifically. I, I remember the story from when I took physics in college. We were learning about like fluid dynamics and like fluid pressure and all that sort of stuff. And he would take a barrel full of wine and he would take a glass of wine and he would take a super long, skinny glass tube stick it in the top of the barrel, drop the, the glass of wine into the thing, and the barrel would bust because of mm -hmm. fluid pressure. And it was this whole, oh, my God, how does he do it? It's such a small amount of wine and all that. Like, the glass is basically that tube that was, yeah. like, from a balcony. <laughs> yeah. I am um, sorry. I, it's driving me crazy. This The name of this glass 
called that is something that, like I said, it must have been a restaurant once and it stuck with me. I can't find it anywhere. Like that's actually like a glass company. And <laughs> and it, there's no picture of the glass coming up when I search that. Oh. So I'm sorry if uh, you're still trying to figure out what I'm talking about. I'm going to try to find out what the thing is actually called. Maybe it was uh. Bernoulli. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, boy. This thing... Didn't he do things with fluids? A Wizen... Wizen Weissbeer goes in it? I don't know. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. What is it called, though? Oh, I don't know. What the hell's the name of this glass? Names of beer glasses. That's what I'm I'm Googling, right? Admittedly, it's not the best search. (laughs) Pascal! Oh, and just start to keep shouting names over there, Alex. Let me know when you land on the right one. Keep <laughs> shouting 400-year-old mathematician names. Yeah, and like, and like <laughs> the way that you said Newton, it was like he was an old pal of yours. <laughs> Who said that? Was it Newton? No, you know Newton, the way he does the you know, things I with knew. the glasses and the volume. <laughs> Newton? That wasn't Newton, that was Pascal. <laughs> it was Blaise Pascal in 1646. Pascal's barrel is the name of a hydrostatics experiment allegedly performed by Blaise Pascal in 1646. In the experiment, Pascal supposedly inserted a long vertical tube into a barrel filled with water. When water was poured into the vertical tube, the increase in hydrostatic pressure caused the barrel to burst. Seriously? I have a, I have a picture of the beer glass. And the title of the image is Types of Beer Glasses, a guide. And it doesn't have the name of the glass. Yeah, it's a Pascal glass. Stop telling me Heaven Wisen. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it's a Wisen glass. Oh, here we go. And now it's just blonde. <sighs> Whatever. By now, it, it, look, they come in fours. You can buy them at Bed Bath & Beyond for like 15 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> They're gigantic. You could use them as a murder weapon. It probably should be a weapon in Clue. That's- I, don't think, I don't think you could use mine as a murder weapon. It seems way too thin. Honestly, I'm always afraid it's going to explode, much like Pascal's mm. barrel. Mine, nice, is <laughs> very heavy. Yes, yours is yours is a heftier glass. Mine yeah. is very thin at the top. I'm always afraid I'm going to accidentally lean it against something, and it's just going to burst. Yeah, that's that's fair. Mine, I'm more concerned that what I lean it against will break. Yours has a very <laughs> thick base. Yeah. Um, my glass is taller than yours. And huh. I still think yours has more glass material in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a thick, it's a thick uh, glass is what I'm trying to say. I don't know why it's so hard. <laughs> Al, uh, get us out of here. What other news you got? <laughs> do we want to learn some more stuff after Pascal's barrel? Do we want to learn to... You want to learn about stock market manipulation? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to know what's going on there. All I know is that one of our founders made some money. <laughs> I really hope he had like five shares. I, I Eight. I hope he made a lot of money, but I think it'd be funny if like he had five shares. Eight. <laughs> oh, is that what the number was? Yeah. <laughs> I meant to ask and I just, I was busy and I forgot to follow up and ask. I was like, it doesn't matter. It probably wasn't that much. Mm-mm. Although I'm still, I'm guessing he probably made a nice little chunk yeah. of cash. You know? Definitely. Um, so you've probably heard by now, no matter where you are and what mm. your interests are about the GameStop situation. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a gamer, this is probably hilarious to you because it was to me. Because <laughs> you, you see it, you go, GameStop? <laughs> I've been waiting for literally years now for it to shutter. So yeah. <laughs> that's a name I haven't heard since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
Very long time. Very long time. Not that I'm rooting against GameStop. I loved GameStop. Uh, sure. But it was after a certain point, it became obvious that it was going to go the way of Blockbuster. There was just sure. no way for them to fold. Th- that being said, uh, if you have been in a GameStop in the past two years, three years, uh, they are pretty awesome now with all of the collectibles that they have because I'm all about that stuff being there. I like to look at it. I Granted, I'm not doing them any favors because I don't buy any of it. I just go look at it and be like, oh, that's so cool, and then I leave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at some point in the last couple of years, there's probably been... No, definitely. Like, there's. I know that in the past couple of years, there's been a time where I'm like, I was driving and I was like, I need a fucking controller. And I just stopped in and grabbed one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just because it was like, I don't want to wait three days for it to show up. Like, I right. just want it right now. Right. Um, but that has been few and far between for me. Um, mm-hmm. Literally the only time that I've actively thought about going to a GameStop recently was, is there a way for me to, sh- to go and physically get an Xbox without getting code? Um, right. And the answer ended up being no. I could not so much, not, not so much the COVID <laughs> part, but the fact that they're just not available. Yes, correct. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, I am, I can freely admit something of a dilettante, but I have worked in a hedge fund. So I know a little bit about what's going on with this short squeeze. Also, I watched billions and there was a whole episode about short squeezes. So I'm certainly not an expert, but I know enough. If you're kind of like, I don't understand what this is all about. So Anthony asked me before the show, I, he's like, I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but could you give me a quick rundown? I was like, let's do it on the show. Anthony. Do you want to ask a question? Do you want to give me your synopsis of what you think it is? Or, uh, okay. So my my my, I, I, granted, I'm not. I don't know this stuff at all. So what I'm trying, what I believe is the case is that people were shorting the stock, mm-hmm. and an entire group of people tried to fuck them over by buying a lot of it. <laughs> Correct. Okay. <laughs> and then the question then that I had is what's What's the problem? Like, I don't, I don't understand like what the ramifications are of. Oh, people just. So, it would be like if a bunch of professional gamblers bet on a horse that was a sure thing to, to win, and then a bunch of people bet against that horse, and then broke the horse's kneecaps, and no one could do anything about. It. Okay. Okay. Are there? Uh, I see what you're saying. Uh, in this now, situation, the, the, difference though, is, the difference is assuming these people and I don't see this is the part that I don't know for sure, because I don't spend nearly enough time on Reddit to know this. And specifically, I've never been on this sub and I just don't care. I'll, like when it all wherever the chips fall, I'll eventually read up on the whole like the forensics of this whole thing. If this cabal of Redditors actively plan to do this with the sole purpose of fucking the people with massive short positions, it's going to be stock manipulation. Mm-hmm. And so they will get in trouble for that. Okay. Um, so that's the difference, right? Cause by any objective measure, if you broke the horse's knees, you would get in trouble, right? Sure. Going all in on buying stocks that are, have massive short positions against them. There's nothing inherently illegal about that. Um, and that's the, what makes us, what makes a short squeeze. So, so an actual short squeeze, typically it's done by a massive institution. And when I say an institution, I could, I'm, I could be referring to a person, not like, like Morgan Stanley, like, it, like a billionaire yeah. who has massive, you know, investments right. could 
decide, and that was actually what happened in the short squeeze episode of Billions, is there was someone who found out that another person took a massive short position in the company, and they decided to twist the knife on that person and initiated the short squeeze. So okay. that sort of thing can, can happen, right? But what makes it so nefarious is when you know the short, the, the massive short position is, is there, and you start buying up like crazy, if the person can't get out of those positions immediately, they will continue. And if you have a massive short position, you can't get out of it. Right. Because it takes time to go get the shares. And the thing is, because a bunch of people are buying it, there's always going to be people who draft on the back of that. So the availability mm-hmm. of shares is going to disappear immediately. Mm-hmm. And as you're trying to offload the shares that you have, it continues to drive the price further up. So right. you're actually killing yourself to a certain extent. Like mm-hmm. it's, it becomes like an exponential curve of like your losses. Mm-hmm. It's a whole, it's, it's a ridiculous thing. Now I, I'm going to preface the rest of this conversation by saying, I didn't know what a short was until I went to work for a hedge. Mm-hmm. Then once I learned about it, I was like, why is this allowed? <laughs> Yeah. That, okay. See, that's that's why I was having a little bit of a hard time with your analogy with with the horse. I was like betting on the horse is a sure thing, but it is in the negative light, right? You're betting on this. Well, thing that's to that's fail. the 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 horse thing is on the positive end. A short is on the negative thing, but the, right. the analogy holds true because the whole point is with this specific instance. Mm-hmm. I could have told you, fucking yeah, short the shit out of the GameStop. It's gonna die eventually. Like you know. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it has no viable path forward. It's only a question of when, not. Right. So that's why people had such large positions against it, because it has no future. There's no mm-hmm. way for it to have it. It's all over but the crying. So that's what made it the perfect target for a short squeeze. <laughs> yeah. Because of course everyone's betting against it. Like this mm-hmm. is like you don't get short squeezes on Apple. Like like you could do a small version of it because okay, the new iPhone comes out and it tanks, you know what I mean? Like, and maybe you mm. have a strong feeling that it's going to tank and that Samsung is going to have an infinitely better product. It's not a perfect analogy because mm. there's always going to be brand loyalty with Apple. So even if it does suck, there's going to be a million people who buy it. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, it only would work in a unique situation like this where, yeah, GameStop does, is not going to work anymore. Like, it just isn't going to work anymore. Like, you can't short squeeze someone for real on, like, Apple or Google or, you know, Walmart, like, or anything like right. that. It just doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, I've always wondered why is, why, why is shorting of stocks allowed? Because just to me, if we all want the economy to be good and we all want, like, thriving business and commercial enterprise and all that, why would you want to incentivize betting against its success? Yeah. Like, shouldn't we take the raise, rising tide lifts all boats approach to it? Is mm-hmm. has always been my thought. Like, why yeah. is there an, an incentive to, because like, because that's what it is, right? It's like, we're not all just going to moralistically say, we're going to stop doing this, right? Not when there's billions of dollars to be made on shorting it. Like, like you would have to make it illegal to mm-hmm. get people to stop doing it. And to me, I, we would have a lot less market crashes if that's what happened. You know what I mean? Like, I, right. I don't know, like maybe you would take, you would cut off a little bit of the cap, I think, on what earnings and profitability and all that there is, but there'd be a lot more stability and a lot less volatility and, you know, a lot less lives ruined. We wouldn't have a market crash ever, every 15 years or whatever we've been averaging for the last hundred years. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a fucking, um, I'm not like 
an expert in economics, but right. I've got enough experience through school and working in the field. Surely I only dipped my toe in the field, but still, like I, to me, it always seemed insane that that's allowed. Right, right. Huh. Well, I guess uh, I, it's funny. It's like, like Brian texted me. He's like, uh, dude, because he had told me like way back when when he bought it because <laughs> he bought it because of uh, a certain person that was taking over like I, that he likes. And he's like, oh, like I feel like this could be good. Like, And it's also super cheap. So I'll buy some. And <laughs> the other morning he messaged me. He's like, ah, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a fucking seller's market. So <laughs> Yeah, that was really funny. But uh, cool. Well, thank you for the uh, thank you for the lesson. Um, well, and also, this ties into something you texted me about the other day, where you were like, "Oh, where does Christopher Nolan keep getting all of these like mm. rich people things that's going on?" And I yeah. was like, "Probably billions, like <laughs> and, like all the people yeah. involved with billions, because like this was on it, and uh, there was something that happened in the movie that also was featured on." I don't, I'm for sure I'm going to remember where it was now. And I was like, oh, this is one of those things. Maybe this is what Anthony was like texting me about because like <laughs> the boat thing. I think it was involved with the boat, but I'm, I'm mm. sure I'm going to remember. Okay. Well, that was fun. Economics and a six. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Flicks and> economics. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, do you have any, you have news and nuggets or anything else? Um, I think that was everything. So the last thing to touch on then would be because uh, we're not doing a post credits situation here. Um, so far, like you know, we we'll, we'll check in weekly because it'll what it's probably going to be another six seven weeks of Wandavision. Yeah, something like that. Uh, still feeling pretty good about the show. Uh, yeah. It's it's feeling more and more twisted as it goes on in a way that makes you like uncomfortably laughing along. Which was it's, kind of inevitable, like like you could see it from that one scene in the first episode, and yeah. I felt like it was going to accelerate as we went. Yeah, but uh, I I'm really digging it. Yeah, I also like the short. I, I kind of like the short runtime. It's just like a quick, uh, a weekly thing to watch. Look forward to. I'm well. The episodes are basically be. turning out to be twenty minutes. Like I would take twenty five, but like I wouldn't sure. take it an, an hour or whatever. Like you know, I, I don't yeah. mind it being on the shorter side, but like this week was the first time I felt it was a little bit rushed. Like I could have dealt with, not dealt with, I could have embraced maybe another five minutes total, not sure. like just tacked on at the end, but like just maybe broaden a couple of the scenes a little bit, you know? Yeah. What's the reverse of tight? Yeah. Broaden. T- loosen. Loosen. <laughs> Loose. <laughs> um, also, I, I realized we forgot to mention it last week, but I, I've been really digging the 1950s and 60s style. We have one commercial in the middle of the show. And yeah. Each of these one commercials is going to be a ridiculous product from that's something that's Easter eggy because we got the Stark toaster, we got the Strucker timepiece, and we right. got the Hydra soap or whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it's, it's good. I, I want. I get, I'm excited. I, I do look forward to that now. Like, oh, what's what's next week's commercial going to be? Yeah, uh, it's it's funny. Cool. Uh, do you want to get into some fun and games? Sure. All right. I got a quiz for you today. It is a which Christopher Nolan character quiz are you? I believe we we might have actually done one like this, but it's definitely not this one because uh, I've never seen this website before. Um, I was a little weary of its domain. Uh, <laughs> and it, it takes a while to load, so if you'll just give it a moment. It's magazine.expert.tv. What? So 
Ooh, that's that's what this is. Uh, it's, it's which Christopher Nolan character are you? Dot com slash. We're definitely not fishing. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. All right. So I think it's like a seven question quiz. What is your greatest quality? Calm, humble, brave, justice. Uh, it's such a trap, but I'm going to say humble. <laughs> right? And that's such a weird thing. That, uh, if you ever there get a chance. There is no one more humble than I. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever get a chance to get something, what will it be? What? If you ever get chance to get something. Now you sound like Charlie Day when he's writing something <laughs> in Always Sunny. Oh, okay, here's what's really throwing me off. This is it. Exactly verbatim. If you ever get chance to get something, period, what will it be? <laughs> oh. All right. To get inside people's heads, to have a high intellect, to become powerful, to save millions of people. Well, the other three were a little creepy, so I'm going to go with the saving people one. Okay. Before I select this answer, I want to know that millions is possessive. <laughs> What is your favorite drink? Water, beer, whiskey, vodka. Ooh, I'm gonna go with whiskey, actually. Yeah, I, I lately I'm on I'm on the whiskey side of the house as well. Um, if you ever get the chance to visit a place, period, what will it be? Look at the sites translated. That's what I think it is. United States of America, United Kingdom, France, India. Wait, sorry. It was which one do I want to like? Visit. visit. Mm-hmm. Well, I live in the U.S. I'm going to go with the U.K. Okay. Which relationship matters to you most? Wife slash husband, children, parents, friends. Well, I don't have a spouse or children, so mm-hmm. um, I guess let's go with friends. Okay. If you were able to become a superhero, which one would it be? Batman, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Green Lantern. Spider-Man. What is your biggest drawback? Lost in oneself? Always hurt the ones you love? Want to do the right thing, but isn't able to? Failed. <laughs> oh my god. Failed to understand life. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we all stumble across that at some point around. Sure. Like, sure. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess let's go with lost inside oneself. Okay. Oh, oh, that's dark. You got Dominic Cobb. <laughs> Quiet, uh, calm. Probably just based on that last one. <laughs> all right, all right. Quiet, calm, and collected. Dom radiates quiet charisma. How many times are we going to say quiet in this? It's <laughs> quiet Dom, charisma quietly. <laughs> Dom portrays a little emotion, preferring to focus on the immediate task at hand. He is currently poised to do battle with his demons, a battle that will either propel him past his wife's death or drive him deeper into an abyss of self-loathing. Wow. Yeah. That's the darkest of, uh, quiz result we've ever gotten. <laughs> it's up there. Some of that's pretty accurate, minus the dead wife thing. Um, sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that. <laughs> so for the record, when I said earlier I don't have a spouse, it's not because she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> with that ray of sunshine, let us get into our flick of the week. Tenet, released in 2020, rated PG-13 with a two-hour and 30-minute runtime. Armed with only one word, Tenet, 
and fighting for the survival of the entire world, a protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. Okay. Fair. Uh, one thing that I feel like, I don't know if we should be doing this up front, uh, written and directed by Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I feel like, is it his brother... Oh, his brother's not credited as writer. Yeah, I didn't see his name in this one. This might be the first one in a while that they didn't do together. <laughs> Jonathan heard it, and he's like, whatever, bro, just do it. <laughs> Doesn't Jonathan do Westworld? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know originally, I don't know if he's still doing that or not, but I would assume so. You know who's um, still around for this one, though? Hoyt Van Hoytema. Oh, I'm sorry, who's that now? Uh, the director of cinematography. Oh, okay. Okay. I just love that name. Anytime you have a first and last name that has a lot of it's the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, this also, movie. No, uh, no, no Han Zimmer. We have Ludwig Gordonson. I've got notes on him. Oh uh, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's having some fun in this movie. Um, I will say we're not going to be able to do any sort of awards on account of this is a 2020 movie. So. <laughs> Who knows? Do they, they announce the Oscar uh, nominee? I, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, but that being said, let's uh, let, let's kick off tweet length reviews. Al, give me yours. What do you got? This movie might be unreviewable by conventional definition. Much mm. more interested in vibe, tone, theory, and mind blowing spectacle than hard plot. Ten out of eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, that's cute. Uh, wonderfully complex and wildly entertaining, Tenet answers the question, what if Christopher Nolan made a Bond flick? Nine out of ten. Yeah, I heard the Bond flick thing and was watching it. I was like, yes, correct. Yeah. Well, um, somebody, has somebody else said that? Or I told you that? Oh, no. that's I've seen that in reviews elsewhere. Oh, so like I very much avoided things on the movie because I didn't want it to like cloud my... My underst- my personal understanding of the plot, and I still haven't really dipped into any of that, so I haven't heard much. I haven't read any like actual full reviews, or if I did, it was like a month ago. <laughs> Ten like, out of eight. <laughs> I was thinking about reading the whole thing backwards, or just posting. Maybe when I put it in the, <laughs> the show notes, <laughs> <I'm just gonna laughs> <laughs> if you guys didn't realize yet, that's what I did for our intro. <laughs> what, what did you say in the intro? Oh, it's well. It's my first note from like the, one of the opening scenes of the movie. Fuck your cello. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I will say, yeah. Let's you know, getting right into it. Like spoilers, spoilers are done. We're, we're doing this thing what, because what? I don't know how else to talk about this movie. Yeah, that, yeah. This movie, I this don't know if I can talk through this movie. But this movie's wild. That- Watch it and still not. If you still don't understand it, that's fine. Then come here and we'll talk through it. But that that scene, I had the same reaction this time around. I don't think I had it the first time. But that man puts his boot through the cello, and I went, "All right." Like for whatever reason, that set me off. I was just like unnecessary. It didn't set me off. I, like to me, it just set the tone. I'm like, geez, this is a little. This is a little much. Like, okay, you're gonna come in and kill a bunch of people, or steal stuff, or hold hostage. Okay, like I, I get it. Bad intent or whatever. But like, yeah. The level and specificity by which they were destroying the instruments was a little, it just seemed too much for me. Like, I, I was, like, willing to give a lot of latitude to whatever was going to go on because, sure, sure, violent intent, got it. Like, intimidation, great. But, like, and maybe I'm misremembering this, but I think he stopped the cello twice. 
Like, it was so. like the equivalent of running someone over and then backing back over him again. Yeah. No, you got it the first time, dude. He seemed frustrated by the cello. Yes. Maybe yeah. he tried to play it as a vanilla. child and he was triggered by it. Oh, he just had like a really shitty teacher. Yes. That would just ripped into him. Or like, yeah, like a whiplash situation, but cello. Yeah. Oh, the cellist. I like. <laughs> Bode. I don't <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I was, play- I was playing around with like talk back like apps before we got started. And yeah, I was like, I, my, I was just because my intro was just gonna be fuck your cello. And I was like, no, no, I have to find a way to play this in reverse. Like, Wait a minute. Do you know how you could have played it in reverse? Do you remember? The 90s craze. Yes, the yakback. Pop up had a yakback, and I had a yakback flip, which would reverse what you said. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I do remember it. I didn't have one though, and mm-hmm. I needed to find like 20 minutes before we got on. I needed to find an app that would do it for me. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes. Oh my! I haven't thought about a yakback in years, years, <laughs> Alessandro. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um but okay, so eight, 10 out of 8, you enjoyed the movie. You enjoyed your ride. Yeah, so yeah, I, I want to be clear. I do mean it to be 8 out of 10. Like I don't it, mean like better yeah. than 10 out of 10. Um, sure. or better than were. Um, sure. <laughs> it was a very good movie. I want to rewatch it in like 2 months. Okay. Just to like because I want to give myself some separation where like not that I forget the movie obviously, but just like I don't want to go in with fully like formed preconceived notions. That's right. I liked it a lot. Um, it wasn't a perfect movie because no, there is definitely some issues with some of it is very intentional. How underexplained things are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it was all for the same reason either. Uh, for one, I, for the most part, I don't think it was sloppiness. I think it was intentional Two, right. I think that that was actually a bit meta towards complaints about his previous movies. Like, Okay, you didn't understand the explanation, so here, how about this? No explanation. Fuck you. Yeah, you're you're watching it anyway, right? Like, and also, does it really matter? Like, because no. like the the naming him the protagonist was like meta on like a lot of different levels. Because mm-hmm. there's the ha ha ha, he's the protagonist, like bit of snark. But there's also like a, does it really matter what his fucking name is? Like mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. Like, but yeah, it it doesn't matter. But also, it does if you if you aren't figuring out the story that is a huge portion of it uh and how how central he is to the story even if he just seems like a player he is not just a player he is the protagonist he's the reason behind what we're seeing and how it's playing out so that is a, i think that's a pretty cool nod although it is I, I thought it was a little bit of a wink and a nod to to the whole idea of like that old saying like we're all the protagonists of our own story mm-hmm. um because there is like an aspect of that to all of the major players of this, where each of them tries to seize control in some way, shape or form, like at some point or other, like whether it be Sator or the protagonist or Priya, or I'm forgetting the Pattinson and Neil uh, characters uh, names. Cat. Mm-hmm. Was that her name? Cat. I think so. And he's Neil. Yeah. Neil, uh, each of them in some way, shape or form seizes the initiative in the course of this story. Each of them yep. is, the protagonist of their own story and at times the protagonist of this story, but he is truly the protagonist above all of them. Right. Because the idea that like somebody like 
regardless of who the protagonist is in any story, there's always that concept and the idea of like who's pulling the strings, though. Yes. And I think that's what's cool about it, right? Is that he is pulling the strings. He's the one. He, he, even though he doesn't realize it. <laughs> right, he doesn't know it yet. He's uh, It's Inception Part 2. It does feel like a spiritual successor to Inception, despite having some very, like, obviously there are big overlaps between this and Memento in the way mm-hmm. the story is delivered and some of the concepts of time and memory and self-actualization that, that are explored. Um, but when you think of some of the concepts of dealing with um, and like, like this idea of time and space and thought and memory and life, what all of those things are tackling does feel very informed by inception as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it honestly feels like it could have existed in the same world. Yeah. I mean, it, it, basically it's like, I feel like the idea was, was, was kind of played with a bit in Inception, especially if you subscribe to my understanding of that movie where he is putting, he is performing the the maneuvers of Inception on himself so that he can live a life peacefully. Uh, it's taking that mechanic, but removing the dream world from it and turning it into like a physics explanation through mm-hmm. a time loop. So it's like, there's your interstellar, right? Of, of, a, of Well, a, obviously the time part of it, you know, is yeah. very... Like informed by Interstellar as well. No, it does, and it's like it does feel a little bit like the culmination of all of his movies. Uh, even even the like the cello uh, destruction, like that, it, like those guys ripping through that room was very much like Bane's cronies, like tearing through a space and like taking it over. Yeah, and uh, it shot pretty much the same way too. Uh, granted, he's the director, but like it, it felt that way. That like. That like, plus, plus Hoyt Van Hoytema, so. put Yeah, sure. Putting you, but like almost the, putting the camera in the shoes of one of the attackers is kind of how it plays out. I feel like you're, the, it seems like the point of view is never really under fire, but acting out the thing that's happening. So it's kind of, it's, it's a pretty, it's, I love that. I think they do a great job. Uh, there's a lot of great nods and one-liners in the movie. I will say sticking with that intro, um, if you're paying attention, like the idea of like how these people are operating on a level above everybody else and not even considering them, like basically like not even considering their life or their being humans, like they were going to blow it up. Oh, but just the cheap seats, like that whole thing. Like I was like, this, this is dark. This opening, (laughs) like it's, it's very, this is, this, uh, maybe you start to see the bit of beginning of it in, in Interstellar. Actually, you know, that's not totally fair. Batman Begins obviously had a lot of it. Um, starting with Batman Begins, it felt like there was, there's was been more and more thoughts on like the class struggle aspect of it for oh, yeah. movies, which is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just that a director like him would tackle that, like not in the way of like a Bong Joon-ho, like Parasite and like Snowpiercer type thing. This is a very different take on that sort of thing and a different level of interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think just kind of like, because it's not central to the narrative, it's very different experience than that. It doesn't make it better or worse per se. It's just no, a very different it, approach. It does a thing of, it, it puts it in there as a character of the world that we're in. Yes. Like and where it's like, we're making a, a real acknowledgement of it, but I'm not going to be consumed by it. I just yeah. find it interesting for that sort of director to like, it could, like even someone like Michael Bay will have like, I feel like pay lip service to that sort of thing, but mm-hmm. not 
really address it. This is kind of, it's closer to the Bong Joon-ho level of the spectrum, but like not, it's somewhere between the two, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I feel like there's a lot to unpack in that opening sequence, but like, there's just a lot to pack apparently in in, in general. Uh, the running, the, the motion, I like, I don't, I guess, I guess you would consider it choreography of, like the the formations that uh, um, the protagonist and his team are taking as they're running around that loop. There's something amazing. Uh, there's a lot of loops in the movie, and they are hinted at very early on, especially in the round structure that they're in and the way that they're running left around it, and the camera is turning and curving through it. Like that, all of this is hinted, hinting at what we're like that. You're in a loop, yeah, and the circles within circles aspect it, of it. Times a flat circle, like uh, going back I, to like True Detective. Uh, but like, I just love that that's there if you want it, but it doesn't, it's throwaway. You don't need it. But it, I think it's a great, like, it's intentional. Like, everything is intentional, I feel like, in his movies. Well, this is why I got, got to in my, in my tweet length review was, in some ways, I felt like this movie did a better job even than some of the past movies. And I think part of it is that nod to the fuck you, the who cares, he's just the protagonist type of thing, mm-hmm. where... You know, people complain, oh, I don't understand the movies. And I heard a lot of people say they didn't understand this movie. And to me, yeah, I probably didn't grab some of the minutiae as quickly as I did something like Inception. But also, I don't think it mattered. And I think that's actually a kind of a masterclass thing where it's like mm-hmm. he's reached another level of how can I explain this to you without just purely exposition dump? And can I explain it to you in such a way that like if you truly can't grasp it, you'll get it enough to be able mm-hmm. to engage with this. I, I really think that if you just watch this movie, like just pay attention, mm-hmm. you don't have to understand it to get it. Right. And I, I can understand being confused and frustrated up front. Like, especially early on in the movie, there's a lot of rapid fire speech and there's a lot of names being thrown around. And yes. ultimately those names don't matter. And I do think that that is again, intentional because it comes down to him being the protagonist and, yes. and you finding that out. Like there's well, some, well, there's I'm, some interesting story there, but it's not yeah. that necessary to grasp it up front. One thing on the understanding bit that I'll, I'll leave here is I had heard some complaints about the sound mixing in this movie. And mm-hmm. I've heard those complaints in the past. This movie actually has, I think the worst version of it. It's not the whole movie, but yeah. there are scenes in the first act where I truly was having trouble understanding what was being said because of how the music was done. Like, where I'm like, yeah, I like I actually really like the music in the movie, but there were certain scenes where it's like, okay, you're actually doing exposition now, so just calm the fuck down, right? You know, uh, like just- I understand what you're saying. Um, I do. I did find in my second viewing of the movie. So the first time I saw it, I was fortunate enough to see it in a pretty empty theater, um, which was great because I love seeing his movies on the big screen. I really didn't want to pass that up. So that was amazing. Um, In the theater, I had a harder time with the vocals and the track. I watched the, I I broke the movie up into three sittings this time around specifically because I want to digest each portion of it before I moved on to the next one. And uh, I also, I guess I, Weirdly, I remembered like where the good stopping points would have been, and it, it played out really well. Well, you texted me about that the other day, and I was intrigued by the idea. But for me, I was like, "Well, I haven't seen the movie yet, so I don't know that I have." Oh no, you can't do it. Yet. To it you know? Yeah, yeah, like, no, no, that no. feels like for, a cool way me, to rewatch it. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was great to watch it that way, specifically because I know what's next. So sitting here for a minute and soaking it up 
helped. Like it was really entered. I, I was having a really good time just thinking about the movie. Um, but yeah, I it watched would seem natural. It would seem natural to break it after the first airport scene. And then after the scene where they go through the wheel, the turnstile and like, that would be your breaks for. One yeah. That's break. pretty much how, how it played out. The first two viewings I did with headphones on. And I think that might've helped with the audio because I, I also have my headphones configured. Like they were dialed in for like a vocal was boosted. So like I didn't have an issue. So I basically undid some of the mixing. It seems like, well, I was thinking, Oh, maybe for this sort of movie, like in the future, I would think about putting subtitles on. Cause I typically don't watch that way. Mm-hmm. But even then, like the scene that kind of epitomizes to me, the struggle was the scene where Neil and the protagonist and I, the Heimish Patel character, whose name I, I don't even remember if they ever say it in the movie. There's mm-hmm. the three of them are facing each other and there's like a tracking shot around them. Yep. And they're explaining like the, their plan. Mm-hmm. I, and someone's dragging chains across the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I literally, like, I'm not even going to bother rewinding because I just will not be able to understand what they're saying. And they were speaking so rapid fire that I don't think subtitles would have helped because I wouldn't have been able to tell who was saying what. You know what I mean? Like, right. So it's just like, okay, I guess we're just going to chalk that up as a total loss. Like, whatever. And like, I honestly don't think it was that important because like, it wasn't. Like, um, you see it unfold on screen. It's like, exactly. Yeah, no, I get what they're doing. Whatever. Yeah, they could have. It probably they probably could have just done it. The only reason I think what's important about that scene is seeing that these three characters are working together. They know each other. They're planning together. That's all you really need to know. It and just that's been what nice he was. It felt very conspiratorial. So like, it would have been nice to share. Sure. Like, felt like I was the fourth person, like listening to them whisper this plan. Mm-hmm. And like, like there's like an absolute surge in the fucking score there. I'm like, yeah, you could give me like dark ominous tones for this moment and then go right back to it because like i did actually appreciate i I was trying to think about what gorenson in general has been reminding me of because we talked about him a lot during the mandalorian really good in the first season even better in the second season i forget which episode it was where it was like i remember saying like he's on one this episode like it was phenomenal in that episode and a lot of this was great but like like i said it was just some scenes where it was just too much which is like we don't need it right now get back to it 30 seconds from now. You know what I mean? Mm. And I was thinking about it. I was like, there is definitely some Zimmer influence like to him. It's funky Zimmer. That's what, that's what I hear. Well, what I came to the conclusion was it was the product of Zimmer and Skrillex doing cocaine. Together. Oh, <laughs> that's right. what this, this score reminded me. Of. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's fair. Cause there, uh, were too many, there was a little bit too many electronic beeps and boops for it to be pure Zimmer. And yeah. like, the pace was too much for Zimmer as well. So that's the, the cocaine, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so step, stepping forward um, out of the out of the uh, the plume uh, of cocaine. Out of what? <laughs> the plume of cocaine. The plume of cocaine. I was thinking horrible uh, bosses when he accidentally drops the box and just. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm looking forward out of the orchestra and we get the, uh, the whole thing with um, our protagonist is tied to the chair. Like, I mean, like th- that's another thing they are. There is some dialogue in there, but there is always a train going by. It's, and it's again, it's not that important. What's important is that the character is willing to kill himself rather than give up information. And that's also much more justifiable. The sound being off in that scene. I actually like felt that was intentional in a way that like, was value added to mm-hmm. me, like because it helped set the stage and, and like set the stakes to me. Where yeah. 
And ultimately, again, there's another scene where, like, in retrospect, having watched, like, in the, like immediately I felt in retrospect, like, oh, it doesn't really matter because we're not getting answers here anyway. So, like, whatever they're saying, like, having the, the, the mood set properly by the trains, like, because it, it's a very frenetic, like, panic streak. It's the way that you would experience it, it like, undergoing the panic. They're like, oh, right. God, I'm going to die. Like, what's going to happen? Like, is someone going to rescue me? Do I have to kill myself? Are they going to torture me? What's, you know, like, I actually thought that was, like, a very heightened thing in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty solid. Uh, that scene, though, ending with him taking the pill and thinking he killed himself and then waking up on the boat. Uh, there's a line in there that I might have missed the first time that I watched the movie. He's like, you've been in a coma while we reconstructed your mouth. And I went, oh, yeah, they were ripping his teeth out <laughs> with a wrench. <laughs> like it was- Well, it's funny because I remember the Yankees, too, because they don't really show it, right? Like, you just, like... Mm-hmm. No, he puts the he puts it in the like the channel locks in his mouth, and the train goes by. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they don't actually show like, but yeah, it's very obvious that's what they're doing. Yeah, he's like drooling blood in the next in, in the then, next yeah, scene. Then yeah, then they they show him put the bloody things down on the, the table, or whatever. But like mm. to me, like having watched that scene, I interpreted it actually a slightly different way than you did. Um, and I'm not saying actually I don't know which of us is right. Yeah, we're both right. Because to me, I just assumed he yanked the one tooth. Uh huh. Um, and then he took a cyanide capsule, which would fuck up his mouth as well. Yes, he was. Yeah, that I, I believe that was the intention. But it seems like they went more with it because you would, you would need to construct reconstruct. Because remember, that was in, in Skyfall. That was the whole thing uh-huh. with with Javier Bardem was that he bit down on the, the the cyanide capsule. It didn't kill him, but it fucked up his whole mouth. And yeah, OK, that, that makes that makes sense. Maybe. The, oh, and there's your there's another bond tie. I got you. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we haven't reached the biggest Bond tie-in, but we will soon. Um, all right, so that so he reconstructs his mouth. The whole thing of uh, say the word tenant, it'll open some doors. It'll open up the doors that you want, and some of the ones that you don't. I think that was a pretty cool thing. Like to pay attention to this going forward because it's going to backfire in certain situations. I don't know why, but the payoff of I have a word and a gesture. The payoff just being him explaining going. I laughed out loud. Yeah. <laughs> when he does the I'm like, that wasn't a good payoff. Like, come on. <laughs> the kind of uh, thing was cool. And I loved the call and response. I forget what the, the verbiage of it was. The sentence that they kept saying. And that, like, like, we live in a twilight world. We live in a twilight world. It was like, you have no friend or something like that. Yeah. yeah. That was actually kind of a cool, like, code word thing. Again, the very bond. You know? mm-hmm. But, uh, just the payoff of him doing the hand gesture was so. I <laughs> laughed. I honestly yeah, laughed it was, out loud. It was dramatic for sure. Uh, not to be outdone by the next five minutes of the movie, which uh, should have certainly been on the cutting room floor, uh, which is him in the bottom of a wind turbine. Uh, well, I definitely didn't under. Well, no, he was on the ship. He was like, I think in the smokestack. No, no, I don't think so. He's picked up at one of those windmills. Oh, yeah. I guess He's I in one of them. And what? then he's climbing up the ladder and doing high stakes pull ups. <laughs> it wasn't five minutes though. Like I thought they kept it brief enough. Like it's the type of thing where like maybe yeah, but it, it was only confusing less or though. even more because like it wasn't enough time to get like a mental state thing. Yeah. And it was like probably too long to be just like a manic um here and I'm waiting situation. Mm-hmm. Like it 
I the I feel like the amount of that scene was insufficient. Whether it should have been more. Was <laughs> just the idea of like he's in there, and the whole purpose is that when the the shift change happens, he then goes ashore. I get ashore, I guess. But it's like, why not just go now? Like I didn't really follow. Like what was the what was the reason to go through that rigmarole? Is what I yeah. Didn't really that's an interesting point because like we didn't really get an explanation as to why he had to wait. Yeah, unless like. The idea was that the people, um, maybe, I don't know if, like, they took him, they they extracted him from the situation that he was in, assuming that they killed the other guys. Maybe when their guys got there, they found that the person that they were torturing wasn't there, so they needed time to lapse so that they were, they stopped looking for him. It might have just been a recovery thing, like, hey. Maybe, get your, maybe. Get your, and that's what I'm saying, like, if you gave yeah. us, like, actually a couple more minutes of that scene, maybe we get a... Oh, he's like kind of racked with like PTSD type of thing, and he's sure. getting, like finding a way to master himself through working out because that's like a pretty common theme with that sort of thing, right? Is like, yeah, I've been fucked up by mastering an aspect of my body. I can master that bit of my mind type of thing. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if you give us two more minutes of him working his way through, like if you know we get him waking up in a cold sweat, and then him working out, and then like to the point where like he's waking up normal. It's like. Oh, okay, got it. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean? like passage of time, he's mastered himself, like all that. Like, yeah, I. Uh, so we get our first. <laughs> after that, he comes ashore. He uh, he he's looking for. He he knows where to start. Um, and he's. It's <laughs> our first usage of the motion and the word, and it is so plainly obvious the gesture that he makes. <laughs> I like. <laughs> she said, "Actually, um, I forgot he did the gesture then." I was thinking about when Robert Pattinson does it like oh, <laughs> that's yeah. the scene. I was thinking when he, he does it so dramatically, and I was like, "Wait, that's the payoff." Is it? Yeah, just talking about oh, the timelines are gonna come together, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Seriously?" <laughs> yes. Yeah. But the uh, when he does it there and he puts his hands together, he's like an obscure tenant. I was like, "Ugh." <laughs> well, that was the thing is I didn't realize he had to work it into a freeze. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny, but then we get our. That's our. This is our first bit of um, not as heavy as in some other movies, but it's a it, it's a solid stretch of exposition there of what's going on with these inverted objects, what we're what we're up against to a degree, only a little bit because your brain with can't handle the whole thing yet. With an actress from your favorite movie. <laughs> That was uh, name from Enemy. <laughs> oh, from Enemy? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I don't remember. Um, but anyway, so it, the whole it, it, teaching him about inverted objects, then trying to teach the audience how they work, uh, to which he says, don't try to understand, <laughs> which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> which, again, was like very meta. Like one of these things, like like you can put it in the portfolio of things where I'm like, does it really matter? Like there's one specific aspect of it that I don't quite get mm-hmm. just because they felt like they made such a big deal about it. And then I didn't think it paid off in a satisfying way. And that was why it was so much more damaged. Like who cares if the bullets going forward or backwards? Like it's mm-hmm. still the same amount of force. Well, I guess it has to do with like the fact. All right, so if the it's progressing maybe almost twice as fast because the. But I don't see why that should be. Like, if it's going to hold, like, I get that we're bending the rules and there's a suspension of disbelief thing, but ultimately, I think like 
Newton's laws of like thermodynamics and all that, like actions, reaction, force, like, you know, Mm -hmm. it should be the same force just acting in a different direction. Was, was it more of an issue with the radiation? So that's what I thought was because they talked about, oh, it's got this inversion radiation. I was like, oh, okay. But then when Kat gets shot later, uh-huh. they don't treat her for radiation. They don't say that's what they it. treat her for, though. And also, I was, I didn't understand why she was in so much more. I was like, oh, it's worse because it's an invertibility. I was like, okay, but why? Right. Like, that was really, honestly, the only why I needed to explain it. Yeah, I, I, I think it has to do with radiation, but so I don't do know. So do I, but if that's the case, that specific scene is the place that you need to explain why. Right, and they never actually, yeah, they don't tell you what, you, what they're doing to heal her. They just said that she needs to be healed and she needs more time to do it. That, that's about she it. needs to be healed, she needs more time, and she needs to go through the turnstile. I'm like, that's okay, right. I, can, I can take all those as fact, fine. <laughs> right, right. And, like, and, and really, truly, like that's the only big like. There's a couple of little things here and there. That's the only big question I had from this movie that I didn't feel was explained. Was like that, that's that's fair. Okay, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, but and then, but like to your point, also though, it's like fair enough. I'll overlook it. It's not that yeah. big of a deal because it's not at the end of the day. He's doing something really wild with the storytelling, so it's like you do have to. Like, granted, a lot of it is based in the idea of certain theories being something that you could leverage. But that being said, part of that, part of what goes with that is like, sure, we can conceive of the thing that does this, but we don't know anything about how that would actually work. So you do have to just go with it. Sure. It's just to me, like, the reason it stuck with me was because of how big a deal they made about it. Okay, it's a big deal. I'm going to trust you on that. Why? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally, I am with you on that. They could have, they could have ex- actually explained that. But I do think, yeah. I, I think they say something about the radiation at some point, And I only noticed that the second time that I watched it, because I had gone in with that question, because I was also curious, like, what's the, why it's such a big deal. But that being said, they never really talk about, like, treating it or dealing with it or how that yeah. would be the case. So yeah. it's just seemed like, like, the answer is radiation, mm-hmm. but like, specifically, what wow. about it? You know, like, cause, <laughs> cause you didn't do anything to her that would suggest you treated for any right. form of radiation. Mm. Yeah. It's very, very odd. Um, all right. So we are, uh, he finds out all about the inverted objects. Um, that was that. And it, it makes for some really cool shots and sequences, which is really oh, yeah. awesome. Um, the, <laughs> we then go to, uh, Michael Caine, right? I believe that's when we meet up, meet up with him. Yes, I think she's the one who tells him to go meet it, with him. Yeah, and that's I feel like that's where it's it gets a little bit fun, uh, where it's like, we got a lot of meeting people and talking to people, but there are bits of it that are exciting. First things first, and there's something super... Alright, so when he goes to meet Michael Caine, there's a lot of jokes about, um, you don't belong here, buddy, with your shitty suit. Like, that's like, like, that's a thing that comes up a few times in conversation. And I just love like how much of a dick the Mater D is. And that, uh, the protagonist just kind of hands it back to him. And it's so great the way that he does. Can I, can I get that boxed up? Certainly not. All yeah. right. <laughs> that, that was honestly the, the whole scene was worth it just for that. 
Yeah, but I uh, did appreciate. Uh, I don't think you're going to be able to hold your own with billionaires in Brooks Brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like you. you uh, what is it? You English don't have a monopoly on snobbery. It's like no, yes. just a controlling interest. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great line. Um, but also, I, I, the thing is, when he's, he delivers the line about the Brooks Brothers, I was like, oof. But also, it's like, he's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> when, like, it's a rough way to say it, but like, he's right, you know? <laughs> so my favorite part about that scene is now my favorite part, but was annoying me the first time I saw it. I was like, all right, I like... You're about to unload a bunch of information on me. Can you stop munching on your fish sticks for a minute? Like he's straight up talking through the chew, and I feel I thought the first time watching, I was like, "This is a weird choice." The second time watching it through is that he knows the mission's successful, and he's just very laid back. Who? Michael Caine. Oh. He knows every. I think he's he's privy to the knowledge of everything going on because. He was already, he was basically given the instructions to give this information to the protagonist by the protagonist. Uh, I didn't think about that. The, you know, the reason I it probably never crossed my mind is because we never see him. That's right. That's right. But the, because typically you would get a call and respond. Mm-hmm. And that, I guess it was a you, very subtle thing. Like there would typically be some indication. Of there is knowledge. there is one, but it's not. They do it with one character at the end. And you're supposed to piece, I think you're supposed to piece together that every interaction that he's had with somebody giving him information, he was giving to himself. That I mean, that makes sense. And like, you're probably right. You're, you're talking about the scene with Priya at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so where he, where he, you know, claims the mantle of protagonist, right? Like, oh, I know. I was more specifically talking about uh, with Neil when Neil explains to him. Like Neil, like while the protagonist starts to figure it out, Neil gives it to him like straight up that like that, like you recruited me like that's yeah. and like that's I feel like when it all really clicks for him, which again was that was a tremendous bit of acting by Pattinson because it's probably like the final nail in the whole like fuck you it doesn't matter type of thing that Nolan is doing like mm-hmm. meta like yeah no like it, it's fine like they're doing a loop thing like he got it he's knows him. And their timelines have been like jumbled and looped around in this, or whatever. And he literally hand waves him the way that Nolan has been metaphorically hand waving the whole time. Yep. You know, no, it's fine. It'll be great. We get up You'll to some it. stuff. You'll love it. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, we well, that, some that's, stuff. that's might be my favorite line of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, actually, sorry. That's not my favorite line of the movie. I want to dive right into favorite parts. Uh, and that it does have to do with dialogue because after we meet Michael Caine, uh, uh, it's the first time the protagonist meets Cat in the restaurant. Um, well, not in the restaurant. He g- goes to the Goya painting, whatever. They go to eat together. Uh, favorite bit about that is like, ooh, like nine million dollars. It's like it's a lot of money. Like or something like that. It's like it's as much as the uh, the vacation that we just went on. <laughs> Where'd you go, Mars? But that's I, while I love that scene, my favorite part about like one of my favorite parts about the movie is when he goes into the kitchen and he goes, I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago <laughs> and the fight just breaks out. It's, and it is a great fight. I like that. Yes. What they did was it's, that's the first time that I felt that it was one versus like six and it wasn't cheesy. All right, we're going to stand here and wait so that we can swing. What, like, so that well, the certainly giving them physical divides that allowed him to keep them and take them all one at a time. 
makes a much more like narrative sense. Right. Exactly. Like they, they couldn't attack him at the same time. Yes. That's why it worked. Uh, and then maybe, I don't know, is this the first and only usage of a cheese grater in a fight scene? It was rough to watch that. Yeah. That's he, he hooks it on him and I went, Oh, and then he drags him across the table and I went, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then there's a loud sound. Luckily they showed no blood. There would have been a lot of blood. Yes. They showed no blood. Um, that I think that scene would have pushed the movie to R if it was actually graphic in any way. <laughs> oh, was it not R? I guess I just kind of assumed it was, but I guess there's not really any reason for it to be. Yeah. but uh, I was that... expecting you to get much angry at me for that terrible joke. What? Oh, you didn't hear me? Okay. <laughs> wait, 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 no, wait. it's probably for the best. It's a little Easter egg for the audience. Uh, okay. Uh, you, said, you said the whole, was that the first scene with, with the cheese grater? Because you were like, oh, and I was like, yeah, it really grated on me. Oh, I didn't hear you. It didn't hear you. Oh, I like that, though. It's a bad joke. It's a bad I'm, joke. I love bad jokes, though. I know. You, you know. Um, that was, it's, it is a great scene, though, and I really, I, I enjoy that. I also like the, I, um, when he walks out, like, the guy gets kicked out of the door, and she's like, can we go? Can we go, please? And he's like, he wants you to watch this. And then, <laughs> and then he, he walks out, and, and the guy, like, Ooh. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, ah, oh, shit, that's <laughs> a drive away. I was like, oh, it's perfect. Um, we meet Robert Pattinson next, uh, who is acting his ass off in this movie, frankly. I think he's doing a great job. Have you been listening to Cinephobe? No. Okay. No, because they... they full full ass. Full you, you, you've said something yeah. about that before. Yeah, acting their asses off. But, uh, <laughs> this person has negative ass or this person has extra ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's But he... he I think he, he nails it. He's a great yes. character. I think well, he... Well, I've been saying this for a few years now that... And I, not to say that you were resistant to it. Like, mm-hmm. more just like you didn't have an opinion at first. Mm-hmm. And I think there, uh, there was something that you'd said you watched, I thought, that, that you liked him in, but... To me, I, it started with seeing him in The Lost City of Zed, where at first I didn't even realize it was him. And I was like, oh, wow, that was a pretty good performance. Right. I, I guess he can act. And then, yeah. you know, well, I guess we talked about it a bit in... Um, Devil of Time? No, before that. Um, good Time. The, yes, that one. Mm-hmm. What is it with him in Time movies? Uh, um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Man, can we n- name his new movie Time for Batman or something like that? <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, no, he's he's a good actor. He's legitimately like a really good actor. And yeah. Did and a he good had, job in this. I've never seen that level of like like dismissive and like self-assured like confidence like type of thing. Like to the point of like full blown we're having a great time, like campy arrogance. Yeah. No, for for sure. Uh it's I don't know. He he really he does kill it. Um I do like the idea that like he's He's been recruited to do this job because he can handle it. He's able to to kind of roll with it, especially the hard times where the protagonist is insufferable with his questions. Uh, and he's like, I really want to just tell you, but I know I can't. So can you just lay off? <laughs> is basically what it comes down to, but he never really breaks. He definitely gets frustrated in moments, which I think is awesome. I should have taken to heart the whole idea that he's the protagonist because when they had that scene with the first time they fight the inverted guys mm-hmm. and he goes, what did you do with the other guy? He goes, I took care of him. And I was like, Oh, that was because we hadn't actually really seen any violence from that character at that point. Yeah. Um, well, actually, no, that's not true. I guess he killed the guy when they were trying to see Priya, but like, Oh yeah. It was like a kind of quick, cold, like moment of like, you just like a nameless henchman or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, this felt like more. And then 
as I was watching that scene unfold and realizing, oh, it was them the whole time. I assumed it, that scene was going to end with him accidentally killing himself. Because mm. I thought it was going to be two people, but it wasn't two people, right? It was one person, which actually confused me. I thought there was two of them. I know that they at one point said, oh, it was probably the same guy. But that means there was three of him then, which is super confusing. Like, yeah. There should be an even number of him, like two or four. I didn't it, like that there was three of him. It gets <laughs> it gets twisted for sure. Uh, yeah, because it's like a different time. Because, because of the machine in there, there is a third they go back the to the machine. They go through the machine. So it's the person that was there, the one that came, and the one that came out are all in play at some I point know, or another. I know. The math just fucked with my head for a minute. Yeah. Oh, for, for <laughs> sure. Like, because for a second, because there was two guys, right? Mm-hmm. So like when they come back to that scene, I was like, oh, it's not the same guy. It was going to be the two of them because they're showing up to the turnstile together. I was like, oh, God, did he kill himself accidentally? And that would be intense. ends here. And it's going to be one of those like, oh, I took care of myself, but it's going to be like a Mission Impossible 2 where he kills him and then pulls the mask off and it's him. And, you know, yeah. instead of his henchman, it's going to be himself type of, you know, Luke and sure. Vegabot swamp like force <laughs> cave situation. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, um, oh, man. Oh, I, I, I don't know what happened. I was about to say something that, that dovetailed so nicely with that. And it just temporal pincer movement. Bloop, 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 bloop. It's okay. Gone. Um, wait, wait for it. Maybe it'll come back to me. Uh, <laughs> so that that whole that when we meet him the first time and uh robert pattinson they, and they have that that conversation together where they're sitting on the be- on the bench and they're talking to each other and he goes uh, i'll have another i think he's like another gin and tonic and uh a diet coke for my friend here and he's like it's like i prefer club soda and he's like this is like where like it's the first point where he's like where it, it cracks a little bit and he goes no, you don't. <laughs> See, I actually took him for his word that he's just a really good spy. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Like, yeah. Yeah, like that. And I feel I, like... Because like, it's totally believable. Like, oh, he's done his homework. Like, mm-hmm. like And he, the protagonist basically gave him the play that would make him convincing. Because like this, because he like knew like when he when he recruited him, he was like, "This is what would convince me." I feel like yes. it's like the, it's and it's a great it's a great move. Also, another great like nod to Bond, where it's like his reputation precedes him, uh-huh. specifically his drink order. <laughs> that's right. That oh, that's that's pretty good. I didn't even think about that. That's awesome. Uh, well, when they when they uh, they infiltrate um, that building, they go. The bungee, the bungee jumping court. What do they call uh, bungee courts? Bungee courts, yeah. I guess. Um, that was really cool. So they're inverted nice. bungee courts. So they were able to manipulate them in the opposite. They weren't even. They were just slingshots. What do you mean? They show them he's playing with a slingshot to shoot the fucking bungee cord up. Oh no! Yeah, he does that to shoot the bungee cord up. But then he attaches the bungee. They attach the bungee cord to themselves and they reverse up the wall. I see the way I viewed that scene because it felt like at that point in the movie they would have mentioned it was inverted. I just assumed it was pulled so taut that simply releasing it slingshots them over there. Gotcha. Uh, the only reason why I'll say that's that's not the case is when they get up to the top, the bungee cord is wrapped up nicely into their back piece. It it goes I, up into their into their backpack thing that they have. I guess I didn't notice, but I just assumed because then they use it as a proper bungee cord right after it, that that would have meant that it wasn't inverted. Well, it could be used. Because it, it shouldn't be able to be used in both directions. Well, 
sure it can because they were when they when she explains the whole concept with the bullet, she is able to push it forward, but she is also able to pull it backwards. Sure, but they can only fire the bullet into the gun, not out of it. Well, they never really show them firing it out of it, but I guess, I, I don't know, could they? That was always something that confused me, actually, during all this, because I was like, okay, I get it, but also that means the bullet has to be in the wall first, and why would it be there? Well, <laughs> the reason, I know, yeah. The, there's the one scene, the, the thing is, it works in the scene in the glass hallway when it's the three of him. Uh-huh. Because we, you see the scene play out the other way around, right? But like, mm-hmm. no, I guess it always works because the whole point is that on the other side of some turnstile somewhere at some point in time, he has fired the bullets into the That's right. And he's then learning how to, that's a lot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is. Uh, but I, but, I don't but know. The, the point I was making was it's still only traveling in one direction. It's just from a certain point of view. Mm-hmm. They use this bungee cord in two directions. I don't think they gave us a methodology by which it can be used both ways without flipping and inverting it again, sure you know what i mean so like to me the, because of the using the slingshot to launch the thing over there i assume they just had it at its tightest and then release it and go but maybe i misinterpreted that yeah well yeah when they when they do it though they are just laying down and they're like ready and then they just go but doesn't don't they have their legs against that half wall? I don't know. Now I have to rewatch that scene because I'm curious. But um, so I just assume like you know like they were like because it looks like they're like leaning against it and then like go. I thought they oh. had like, their leg like they're laying uh. flat on the ground with their feet on the platform that is the half wall. You know, but it basically is functioning as floor to them because they're rotated ninety degrees. It could be. I, I, I'm still confused because I did think that they unless I miss understood what I was seeing. I thought the bungee cord wrapped itself back up in their thing. But see, I, I'd have to I see the wrong. transition again, because I wonder if it's just because of the way they edited the shot, if it's just... It could like, be. Uh, now, they usually don't... They usually have good attention to detail and that sort of thing, and that would seem... Yeah, really who knows? But the thing is, I actually don't remember the specific thing you're talking about, mm-hmm. so I'd have to see it again. But what that ends up leading us to is a great scene of surely you have an exit strategy, not one I love. This is very James Bond. Yes. Right? Uh, And my favorite part about that scene is he looks up, says not one I love, and then you just see a very fast flash of Robert Pattinson just go... (laughs) Just go down first, and yes. I was like, "It's like, like, there's like, you don't even have to do that, but it adds so much fun to the scene to have the visual of him going first. Like, I, it, it I was very, it. it was very Scott Pilgrim jumping out the window behind, uh, Rory yeah. Col- or Kieran Culkin, whichever one it was. Uh, he's telling her that he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great. Um, where do we go from there? That's the that leads us into the heist, right? Yes. Um, which is pretty cool. The, uh, also, also like, like that definitely had some cool, I mean, like, obviously we've seen it in a couple of movies, but it's very, to me, inception, like planning, like, I don't know why everyone loves a good planning a heist. Oh, 100%. it's my favorite. It's my favorite thing in all movies. It's, it's always great. Um, but in particular, Nolan, I feel like does a really good job of it. Like, it feels like there's a particular joy in the way he does it. Yeah, he does it. The conversation takes place in 16 different locations. Um, which is fantastic and completely unrealistic. Like, if you want it's to talk totally about totally unnecessary. Yeah, oh, like I mean, that's like they do a good job. They break that down, and there's a a, a video series I like, um, uh, like Pitch Meeting, I think it's called. 
Yeah, my brother watches a lot of those. I see, I've seen some. It's and the, they, the one guy and he's talking. Yeah, he talked to himself. But he's they do a whole thing on this where he's like, I'm going to deliver like exposition in three different locations. Like, so are they stopping mid conversation and then picking it up somewhere else? It's like, <laughs> no, it just makes for a, it, it makes it much more visually appealing. <laughs> yeah, but the um, what I, I do love the the when they're kind of having some fun with it and Robert Pattinson and the protagonist are talking, uh, Neil and the protagonist are talking to each other. And this scene was actually in the trailer, but the, uh, you want to crash a plane. And he's like, don't be so dramatic. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what kind of a plane? <laughs> that part's a little bit more dramatic. <laughs> that's, that's pretty great. Also the, like just the concept, like he wanted to do a uh, Christopher Nolan will like, he enjoys doing these crazy like giant stunt set pieces, right? Like these yes. spectacles, like the the uh, the eighteen wheeler flipping in the Dark Knight, right? Like or things the, like or that, the, like the, the hall rotating as he's fighting in the in the hallway in Inception. Yeah, like really fun, cool, like twisted stuff. This thing doesn't even have a time mechanic to it. It's just a fun, like crazy scene of we're actually gonna drive a plane into something. And like, like the way that they did it was it's like it's completely unnecessary, but it, it works in what they wanted to do, which was distract everybody. Also, it's very throwback because it's a predominantly practical effect. Maybe, maybe yeah. entirely practical effect. Like like now that's a, in like 99% of movies, that's all CGI. Yeah. So like, I actually appreciated that. Like we're going to actually go blow up a plane in the building. Yeah. We're going to drive right through this wall. Yeah. Try and stop me. <laughs> I um one a great scene, the guy stealing the gold bar before throwing all of the gold bars out the back of the plane. I like that. That was that was a, there was a human element there. He's like, also if we're gonna throw all this gold around. I'm gonna take one. Also, there was so much gold in those pallets. That dude is not pushing that. Yeah, yeah. He's also not well, carrying one around in his jumpsuit. Well, listen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that that's more realistic than him pushing a huge fucking pallet of it. That's true, unless it's on some sort of track system. I mean, it was definitely on wheels, but like, mm. that's not enough. Yeah, I guess I don't know. With the yeah, I don't know. Whatever, Listen, man. Not that big of a deal. I, I I move around a lot of stuff at like eye level, and some and my shoulders are fucking huge, and my shoulders are beat after a day of doing that. And, <laughs> Anytime I watch the Italian job, I'm always like, okay, could they pick up a gold bar at a time? Sure. Are they picking it up like this at eye level the whole time? Not even Arnold no. Schwarzenegger could do that. No, no. Not, not for like, like the duration of time they're doing it. You know what I mean? Like, right. Even he doesn't have the shoulder capacity to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So we pull off this heist, um, which is largely fruitless in the end. Uh, but it just uh, sets us up for some craziness later on, which is pretty it's great. It's true. They didn't really accomplish anything, did they? No, because the, the yeah, no, they accomplished nothing. Um, <laughs> they they didn't even steal the painting that he promised that he stole. <laughs> right. So then we, we, we then meet What's-His-Face for the first time, right? Or at least, maybe not the first time, but our protagonist meets him for the first time. Uh, what's his name? Sador? Sador? S-A-T-O-R. Sador. Uh, and this is where the James Bond really kicks in. Right? We have this maniac... Well, vig- vig- vigly Russian oligarch uh, right. <laughs> villain. Uh, yeah. The, uh, this maniac villain who 
is basically just a, if I can't have it, you can't have it complex. Yeah, he, he made that quite explicit early on, right? Yeah, and then like, and that's that plays through to the entirety of the world, uh, where he's going to die, and when he dies, he's taking you with. Him. <laughs> it's the ultimate. I'm taking my ball and going home. That's right. That's right. The ball being the earth. <laughs> the ball being all of humanity. Uh, the universe. Space time continuum. <laughs> At least in this time loop. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, another great thing. Um that I really enjoy. Don't try to understand it too much. It'll hurt your head. When he goes, the oh, the grandfather paradox, and explains it to him, and he goes, well, what's the answer? No answer, it's a paradox. <laughs> also, like, he really loves his paradoxes, because there's the whole, like, I mean, this is a slightly different thing, but, like, there's the whole relativistic speeds going to a full 11 when you're going into a black hole, because that's a whole... Like, like black holes just generally are paradoxical. Like, and like, there's a lot of supposition and it's his interpretation of what could mm-hmm. happen. And then it's actually a valid interpretation. Like there are no, yeah. not the, the books on the shelf part of it, but like that eventually one would come out on the other side. It's just that so much passage of time and there's any number of calculations to how or why or whatever that whether one could even like, like survive it or not is moot. The point is like what ultimately happens to you you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it is it's kind of a paradoxical thing we we do not have a, a model of physics that explains it and certainly we'll never be able to observe it because of those relativistic time frames right like mm-hmm. we can set up cameras and let them sit there for a thousand years and see if one of them shows up on the other end like something shows up on the other end um i always love the idea of the like the mc escher stairs uh <laughs> paradox in uh, there's a couple of light paradoxes, but the paradox of the being able to have the closed loop of staircases in Inception is mm. is g- great. And the ultimate part of it is him doing the Drax style paradox oh. as he pushes him off the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of metaphor. Yeah. More <laughs> uh, Drax in everything, have, please. Yeah. And then you in this one, you have the uh, who was a Bond henchman, by the way. You know, mm-hmm. um, you get this, the grandfather paradox, which. That's always the one that like messes with me in time movies. Um, right. And actually I liked considering they still kind of break the rules of time travel a little bit in this one, I think, but maybe less than in other movies. I like that. They left that one open-ended because yeah. they succeed. We don't have to contend with whether that paradox is real because it, it's a paradox. There is no way to define it. There Which is do it in a representative. way. That ends up playing out in a really fascinating way of like, that's what Neil's whole thing is, right? He's he's got this. He's yes, having his internal struggle of should I like? I still have to go back in. Like maybe maybe we did win, but the only way to know for sure is if I do this again. See, that's the most interesting question to me. Is does the Neil that goes back? Does he know that he dies? Uh, I guess technically there's a three Neil situation with that. Neil Neil does know he dies because Neil sees himself dead. But does he know that that's him? He does. Because he doesn't get the same perspective. He doesn't get the same perspective that the protagonist does that verifies it's him. What, the, uh, the little pendant? Yes. On it? Yeah. Well, no, he does. So that's there. The protagonist can see that. The only thing is he doesn't make the connection until he sees it on Neil at the end. But no, it no, is Neil's thing. So when he sees it, he would know. 
What I'm saying is, does, does Neil have the perspective to be able to see that it's him? No, it's a good question. I don't really know. I, I, I think I that Neil knows that, that he, he does. I suspect that he knows. What I'm saying is, does he know that he Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, that, like, that's the interesting question is, if you follow your way through the loops, mm-hmm. and I haven't had enough time to sit, like, you probably have to map it out for yourself, and mm-hmm. it's a little bit confusing with the way it's all cut together because actually i almost lost the thread in that point like yeah. just for how frenetic it is i was like wait he's fuck i don't know which neil i'm watching <laughs> right like that i was like for a second i was like i like i got what was going on but for a second i was like i'm not 100 percent sure which neil this is yeah um i think there's an interesting conversation around that you probably talk yourself into sort of once i said like he is a paradox in himself right mm-hmm. i th- i i think that he suspects he dies. What I wonder is, does he know he dies? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think there's an interesting conversation around that could be like, we don't have to do it here because I think we've talked ourselves in circles for 15 minutes, but like, I'm just like, I'm noting that I find that to be an interesting topic. Yeah. And I do think there's something there. I I'm under the impression that he knows he dies specifically because I think it's all over the protagonist's face. The dawning realization. Right. And I think he, he, he is, he's been the one that's like, even if we do get out of this, like, it doesn't mean that we don't have to do anything about it because like, that's, it's like, it, that's like what he says is faith. And, yeah. uh, so he going back through it, like Neil is Sisyphus in like going, like he's, he goes through this whole loop of like, being recruited, going back in time, learning this thing, dying, but the character hasn't actually been recruited yet. Who gets recruited? Goes back in time, goes through the loop, dies, but he hasn't been recruited yet, and it, like it keeps happening. With one twist on the Sisyphus myth, at the end of the day, right, Sisyphus has to come back and push the, the hill because it doesn't make it to the top of the hill, right? Mm-hmm. This version of Sisyphus, he sees it teeter on the top, mm. and he suspects that it goes over but he's still doomed to have to do it again the next morning. Right. There's this diverging timeline where he has achieved it, but he still has to do it again anyway. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't ever get to bear the fruits of having achieved. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So that's why I was, see, that's why I was saying, I wonder if he suspects, but doesn't know, because if you watch, and I'd like to rewatch the scene, I only got to watch it one time, but to me, it kind of stuck to me because I, had figured it out um, and was waiting for confirmation, which then they flashed showing him. Mm-hmm. And this is like, to me, it plays out similarly is I feel like the protagonist was the, you know, the avatar for the audience in this moment Yep. where I was like, Oh God, that was Neil, isn't it? And he says, Oh, I have to go back in. And in that moment, as he delivers that line, it feels like he doesn't know mm. what's waiting for him. Right. Yeah. And then they cut and you see the pendant. And then there's a dawning realization on the protagonist's face as it confirms to me what I've suspected all along. And then it felt very, the hand waving was, you know, I mentioned earlier, he hand waves in that scene. Oh no, you know, we're going to have a great time. We got to some stuff. There's the hand waving of that, that felt meta in the plot line, but also bringing back to, I read it as, and like, I'm not saying this is for sure fact, but my interpretation of that scene is, I see that look on your face. I've had the same thought as you. I don't want to think about it. Mm, maybe. And that's why, that's why I want, that's why to me, I, I find it to be an interesting conversation 
Does he know or does he suspect? The I feel like the only thing that can almost uh, that makes me feel like ninety percent that he knows is the line of like for you, this it's is the, the beginning, beginning of a. But I think yeah. he says, "I suspect for me, it's the end." I think he says. Oh, does he say I suspect? I think he does. I'm not sure. I think he says, "I suspect it's the end for me, but it's the beginning for you." Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. But, uh, but I don't man. know for sure, you know, because it's one of those things so like, good. he knows, but he doesn't know, you know, mm-hmm. what I mean? and that's why I'm saying, like, does he suspect and hope it's otherwise or does he know and he has the bravery and the commitment to do it anyway? Right. Uh, what a great movie. I love it so much. Uh, one character that we haven't really touched too much on is Kat. And I think there's a really awesome loop for her. I love the idea when it was an oh shit moment for me the first time watching it through when she dives off the boat and I went, hell yes. I was like, it's her. Yeah, that was kind of a a fist pump moment. I was a little thrown though right before that when she throws him. And I was like, I wasn't sure of the interpretation because she kills him. Mm -hmm. But it's before they give her the signal. It's before they give her the signal, but they end up succeeding within, I guess, enough time. Well, that was so like this is like a slight thing. Like, what is the window of him dying and then that triggering the device? Mm-hmm. And I do think and- that that's that's left open for you uh, specifically because it makes you then start to question the entirety of the the timelines. Right. And is there is it a par- have you sprung a parallel universe by killing him? Or, you know, maybe it was all for not like he needs to be stopped. Right. But maybe it wouldn't have maybe been the end of the world, you know, yeah. or and this is the thing where there is actually a chance for there being a concrete answer. I, I'm not saying I have it, but mm-hmm. the question I'm going to ask if answered would give us a concrete answer. I think does she do it that way specifically to break his neck so that he doesn't his heart doesn't stop because he dies via breaking his neck yeah. and then mm. they throw him. Like, I know she shoots him, but he's not dead. Right. Then he breaks his neck, and then they hook him up to a rope, and they drag him through the water. Like, I like the question I would ask Christopher Nolan is, does she do that specifically because she knows he won't die immediately, and she can have her fuck you moment and still give them, like... Enough time. Does she know it? Like, like oh, like, okay. Like, they need it's like a Hail Mary. Minute. Yeah. If they need another minute, they'll have enough time to get in under the wire. Right. Like, yeah. cause that was the, like, cause at first I was like, the fuck did she do? Yeah. And then like, no one's freaking out and the world doesn't end. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm thinking about it. I was like, it was a pretty loud crack. I guess she broke his neck. So he would technically still be alive for an undetermined amount of time. Like, mm-hmm. Now maybe it's a minute or two, or maybe it's 15 minutes. I don't know. But that sort of death, like he is functionally dead, but his body could still be alive for a brief window. His heart could still be pumping. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what it's tied to, right? Yes. It's tied to his heart rate. Yeah. So before the email blast goes out. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like, I don't know the answer, but like, that's my suspicion. And like, that would be the, like the question I would ask of like Christopher Nolan, like, Hey, this feels like you could give a concrete answer on something like this specifically. Mm-hmm. Is that why X, you know, Y or Z happens, right? Yeah. Uh, 
And I do think that it is that does tie into like the questions of like having like that little bit of a leap of faith and like not really and no one none of, no one of the cast like they have an they they have a grasp of the mechanics but they don't know what will happen and they like Neil's character will continue to do what they have to do because they don't know but they do know that they at least have to try like that's yeah. a like that's a really cool concept and her her character is actually kind of like a chaos bit right where it's like she's She's very wrapped up. I mean, I don't I don't mean for this to sound as negative as it is. Given the circumstances, she is being very selfish. Yes. And they are they do put her in the situation. So like there is something about that that I feel like is part of the plan. But I'm not really sure. I don't I don't not sure I have all the answers to that, but like she's has given she's let you know this whole time like she wants to kill him. to kill him. Like she, she feels like she has to. Although she also, though, if she was going full selfish, she's the one who makes a realization of how he plans on triggering the bomb. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't have to share that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that yeah, but she, but she knows and does it anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's, it's, which is why I wonder about the mode of killing him. She doesn't shoot him in the head, right? She shoots him center mass. Mm-hmm. And then she, she remember, she made it very specific that she's going to squirt the suntan oil on the deck so that he would slide. Mm-hmm. And sliding then allows him specifically to fall and break his neck. Like, that feels very intentional. And so I, why, and remember, she said, I couldn't let him die thinking he won. Right. So I... I, th- I just need that little bit of clarification. Like It feels to me, if we follow all of those logic lines together, that she chose that specific methodology knowing that he would have to experience it and he wouldn't die immediately. Like She could, get her, she could have her cake and eat it too. Yeah. It seems, that, that it seems, seems like that's what happens, right? I think, I think so. I would, I would assume that that's the case. One bit of it that I can't, that I do have a hard time wrapping my head around is, so she does that, kills him jumps off the boat she sees herself in the past or current concurrent time because you're not allowed to look at time the same way uh when her when cat and the kid get on the boat to see him he's there yeah i was a little confused by that too and that's see because that's the piece of it or are there two of him in that timeline as well because that's the question. Did he come back and then, like, did they get back to the boat and he's not there and he arrives later? Yeah, because there's the whole thing with... Because he disappeared, right? That's, like, the conversation back. that he disappeared yeah. for a few days. Oh, that, that's, no, that's it. That's the that's answer. What yeah. it, okay. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. They come back to the boat. He's not there. And she said, I have no idea. No one knows where he is. And then he just shows up again. Yeah. Because he is... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he actually has a closed loop. Yes. And actually the entire the entire movie has a, has a closed loop. It has multiple it has one overarching closed loop and then it has the little ones inside of it. Yeah, from that perspective I do think there are still some places where the narrative strains against the constraints of time travel and all that, but in the end all of the loops are closed and continuous. Right. So like macro I think they got it right, but there are some of the things that I think stretch the bounds of the whole paradox. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh man, I really enjoy this movie. <laughs> that was that, a good movie. The 
the visuals of so two things that we didn't really touch on like two main sequences that we sequences that we didn't touch on the car chase and the reverse car chase really cool yeah that was a cool way of seeing the back and forth because i remember the first time i saw that in the trailer it confused the fuck out of me watching it in the movie i was like what right and also like because of the way it's shot and edited on the first time you see it, it actually looks like the third car was a part of the plan, like that it was something they set up. And then when you see it's totally opposite, it's like that was a mind fuck. Like actually getting the answer was what fucked my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's what's cool about it is like they I love they finally explain to you the temporal pincer movement. And then you find out like that's the entirety of the movie is that. Mm-hmm. And then there's micro ones inside of that loop. Yeah, that whole micro macro structure again was was cool with that. I will say this isn't like a failing of the movie per se. I just left me and I, I get the idea that it's a callback and like that's writing and all that. They kept harping on the temporal pincer movement. I wanted to know, well, what other sort of temporal things can we do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there has to be other temporal movements, movements other than pincer movements. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, totally get we like, oh, they got us with the pincer movement. We're going to get them with the pincer movement. Great. But I just was like, okay, well, we've got that. Can what else? See, what else you got? Other? What yeah, else yeah, is on the menu? Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you have on the specials board? <laughs> Something about Gorgonzola fries. I'm sure they're in there. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, so the the car chase sequence, awesome. The final, <laughs> the final action sequence. And well, I was just say, I was just say, uh, I want to get to that in a second, but. That fight sequence against the inverted person and then seeing it in the inverted form, that was actually probably the coolest. That was awesome. Like, because you get the cool, like, uh, oh, we're seeing it from the other perspective. Yeah. Freaky. And also getting the story loop closed as well, understanding what's going on there. And actually, as they're leading to that, when he starts bleeding from his arm, that was like, that's the moment where I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. it, that whole thing is about to happen in reverse because it's before we actually like see them show up and try and pick back off like the. I was like, that's so cool, and then that's the moment where I have, oh god, did he kill himself? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, your head, yeah. your entire head explodes. Wait, why? I, I can't. Um, why am I having a hard time piecing this together? Why is his arm bleeding? Because he actually shoots him in the, or no, sorry, he stabs him in the fight, which I forgot. I remember when he right. was shooting, I knew it was from that because he's shooting. I thought it was one of the bolts, and then I remember. Oh no, he actually stabs him and then the inverted bullets right. miss and he starts bleeding because in that moment in time he's about to he had just gotten stabbed. Right. But he doesn't know it yet. Oh yeah. Oh, so cool. What a movie. I do like that. Yeah, that that third that third I think that could be overlooked a lot is that he's there three times. Yeah, that's when I, after seeing the scene, I was like. There's three of them. How? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there needs to be an even number of him, whether it be two, four, six, I don't care how it just feels like there needs to be an even number. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh so fun. The but then like, we have the whole like what what is this army that we're fighting? That 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 whole thing was was crazy. Like it's all of our big baddies army like his henchmen, I guess. Uh, <laughs> well, I understood that army more than I understood where did they get their army. True. Uh backwards recruitment. Space. But there's forward, there's forwards and backwards recruitment oh. though, because it's a temporal yes. pincer movement. That's right. That's right. Uh, don't try to think about it too much. Uh. <laughs> also, also the dude with the beard was that Quicksilver? Sorry, Pietro Maximoff. 
Oh, the shit. guy who's leading the team. Was it him? I think so. I remember seeing his name in the cast list, and I was like, oh, I need to figure out who that is. I'm pretty sure that was him. Let's see. What's his real name? Aaron Taylor Johnson. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Scrolling. Scroll. What was his name in the movie? I don't know. That's the problem. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was him. Good call. Nice catch. Yeah. Kick ass. What a great movie. <laughs> I really love that oh, movie. Oh, seen that too. I never actually saw that. Yeah. Uh, he's like the guy <laughs> in Kick Ass. <laughs> uh, I, I I saw like the first fifteen. Didn't That's a fun one. Time. Uh, good. Oh no, I. Please, I was gonna like look for a, another thought. You said you want to talk about that final fight sequence. Yeah, so specifically one thing. Uh, well, two things. I love the idea that uh, so that's the one we have. We have three Robert Pattinson. We have three Neils, yeah. right? Well, yeah, sequence. that's what I said later. I was like, oh yeah. So I guess technically we have three Neils in that. Yeah, I I do really like the Neil that's trying to warn them. He's the one in the Humvee that's chasing after them, beeping the horn. Paul Rivneil. <laughs> That's all for this week's episode of <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one That's a cool sequence. The I love the ridiculousness of the of the building being exploded and unexploded at the same time. That was a kind of a scene where I was like, I actually went through two stages of like, whew, and I was like, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The movie is, is mentally exhausting. <laughs> I was. That's why I was saying, like, it was just, like, a lot. Like, yeah. and, like, not necessarily in a bad way. Like, I did end up liking the movie. I'm glad, like, this wasn't one of those ones where, like, I had to finish watching the movie and then we started recording, like, 90 minutes later. Like, I'm yeah. glad I watched it Monday night and not last night. So I had a couple of days. Yeah. Just kind of, like, I didn't even really actively think about the movie the last couple of days. Just kind of, like, have a moment of, like, snapshot some time of, like, the fuck it, it's you know? yeah it's, <laughs> isn't it you gotta stretch beforehand you gotta hydrate during and you definitely need to cool down afterwards <laughs> i mean i did pause a couple times while watching it just to like i wasn't like on the verge of falling asleep but to like get up and reset that clock to make sure i wasn't gonna fall asleep like, yeah now feels like a good time to just get up and go take a piss yeah and then i'll come back you know fair <laughs> um oh who are you who will i be leaving the message for posterity great line <laughs> yeah and i was like that felt like a fuck you too but yeah. ultimately like it wasn't because it gets paid off and like mm-hmm. i did kind of wonder if it was like we're gonna get like some sort of like, time jump and it's like someone else but no it's actually him i will say i had a moment's panic i think it's just because they were both black phones but like he hands her the phone and says you know give a call if you ever feel uncomfortable blah 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 and at one point they cut to sador getting a phone call and i was like Oh, that blew up in your face big time. Yeah. Fuck. I thought that she was calling and it was going to him. And I was mm. like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but it ends up being good. I'm being pretty great. Like the way that I love the way that scene unfolds because it unfolds quickly. And like you, your brain has to catch up for a second because she makes the call, says what she has to say, like the concern. Then he enters the car and has the phone. Like that's a great. No, sequence. it happens the other way. Doesn't oh, it? that he enters the car first, which is what, which is what actually was what a great mechanic because at that yeah. point I forgot about the phone a little bit. Uh, okay, even though like just like I, th- I think you're right. I think I have it. Fleet, you know, mm. um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I realized as I was delivering it, I was like, that sounds way too much like that stupid fucking terrible line. Um, but yeah, no, you could see like 
she's having the thought like I'm in danger. Yeah. But they don't, she doesn't actually take the phone out. Right. Then it goes right to inside the car. Also, I love how it's shot where like the camera is like on the hood of the car mm. and you, but you can hear them having the conversation or yeah. maybe it was on the dashboard. I forget. Dashboard, but I think you but, yeah. see him coming in. It's a great the shot. From yeah. Outside the car. Uh, it's so well done. I really, I just really enjoy the movie. I, I think his movies just blow me away. I find them to be so endlessly fascinating and I would be terrified to live inside of his mind. Yeah. That's the, what came. I came away with at the end of this movie was I can't even conceive of what goes through his mind because like the Batman movies are really pretty conventional. I mean, he found cool and inventive ways to do it, but it's not just at times I've wondered, like I, maybe Dunkirk was the most way I feel like, not that I didn't like Dunkirk. I really did. But like, it just felt so unnecessary, cool, but felt so unnecessary to do the timelines in that way. Mm-hmm. Like it's a cool mechanic. Don't get me wrong. And sure. like, it works. Like he makes it work, um, but it's not necessary. No. Um, whereas movies like Memento and Inception and this movie would not have had the weight on the viewer if it was told in a more conventional way. Yeah, that like well, the thing with a memento is it's a it's actually and interstellar flat, to a certain extent for that one story. Actually. If you don't tell, memento is a pretty straightforward, typical story. If you don't tell it in the way that he's told, he tells it. Yeah, to some extent. I mean, like it still would be interesting. It, oh, um, sure, but but not nearly have the effect. I mean, you would still have like flashbacks and cutaways and like stuff like that, which would make it still somewhat <sighs> dynamic. But it obviously wouldn't be the same thing. But to me, I was just like. For a, I think until this movie, it felt like, oh, he's just trying to have like uh, his unique way of doing things to make. And this movie was finally the one that kind of clicked in my mind. Like he conceives of and thinks of the world in ways that you or I don't like. And it's not necessarily a better or worse situation. Like, I don't think that makes him necessarily better or smarter. It just to me really highlights like how different of a mind and mentality he is. And like, there's a certain extent, like you say, like a hell, he, there's the, the thing about why do all like the wives die in all of his movies? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, wait, even though his wife has never died, you know, and yeah, all of that, um, nor I think his mother or whatever. So like, it's a, it is a weird, I guess it's one of those, like, I think he said at some point, it's just his greatest fear or something like that. Yeah. I mean that, that makes sense. And it also makes sense that he, so like at the end of the day, he just seems that he's passionate and obsessed with the concept that time is not linear. Yes. Right. Um, which is fun coming after, you know, almost a year ago, us watching something like Debs, right? Talking about the like the duality of like tram lines versus free will mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And obviously these are all different ways to kind of talk about and think about similar concepts. Um, but I just find like like I understand what he's talking about, but like I don't think of the world in that way. Mm-hmm. And I find that sort of thing is just like a snapshot into his mind. It's interesting. Um, And I appreciate that he decides to channel that in a way to like shock and awe and amaze and entertain people. Mm -hmm. And like, it also probably helps him to model for himself what it is that he's thinking of. Sure. So it's just the idea of like uh, having, thinking about it on your own, even that in itself is crazy. He thinks about this stuff. He has this concept in his mind. He can write a screenplay about it, and then he could translate that 
to a screen. Like, yeah, I because like, by all, all accounts, that script should be gibberish, right? A hundred percent. And it's just like I, I like the idea that like wait, there's been interviews where like the characters don't fully know what's going on. Well, there was that whole thing, right? Like Robert, Robert Pattinson was that he was the one right who said, oh, "Yeah, I didn't know what we were doing." I think so. Yeah, it was either him <laughs> or it was the it was John David Washington. Yeah. No, I think because now I'm thinking about it. I think he said basically he would show up and every day he'd ask John David Washington, "Like, what are we doing?" And yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's, the, he's like he's the only person who understood other than. Christopher. Oh right, okay, <laughs> yeah, I think we. And then Christopher this. Nolan's like, "No, fuck, no," like Robert no, Robert knew what we were doing. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, but oh yeah, no, it's it's it is wild, and it's just like I. If you're, I feel like, if you're not imp- at least a little impressed by what he's doing, you're not, you're not getting what he's doing. Like, and it is, it, it's insane. Which makes it such a shame the way it all went down. At this, I mean, fuck, he's made a ton of money, a ton of money. It doesn't matter. Like, this movie wasn't a success, but like, like I don't care like whether it set a record or not. But like, to get the mass appeal and like appreciation and like, like that he would deserve for this. You know, like it, it's a it's a even if the movie's not for you, like it's a work of art, like it is art. Mm-hmm. But that's um, the other thing is I don't know that he he doesn't seem to be it doesn't seem like he cares that much about that. He just no, wanted he does, it. He to, does because him and HBO are no they, or him and Warner. They don't exist. Their partnership has fallen apart over him, over them jerking it around hmm. and then throwing it right on like HBO and all that. And like what's going on with like Warner and them putting all the rest of the theatrical releases coexisting on HBO Max. And I'm pretty sure I've read, I don't know if it's 100% official, but it sounds like they've dissolved their partnership. Well, I'm saying, he, I don't think that he cares so much about it being uh, a hit. He wants it on a big screen. Like he wants it to be told in the theater. That's all. Well, if, you, if you're going to be an auteur and you're going to have this singular vision that literally no one else can do, you want it to be appreciated in the way that you think it should be appreciated, right? I don't know. I'm not saying it's about like his pocketbook per se i just mm-hmm. think that obviously the fact that it didn't make any money and that it seems like they made a decision unilaterally that he disagreed with mm-hmm. whether it be the money or the principal or whatever right yeah that choice has led to their their partnership souring yeah <laughs> well i'm always interested to see what he does next i love it i want to watch all his movies over and over again <laughs> Um, do you have anything else? Any other notes on this bad boy? I don't think so. I think this was probably our longest and best movie discussion in quite some time. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah, me too. Considering I was a little bit hesitant because I didn't have anything written down to bring to the yeah. <laughs> to the discussion, and I was like, "Oh, oh god, good, is this man, gonna... I got you." Which is what I was hoping for, and I was like. Nah, he saw the movie a couple times. Like he'll he'll have ideas, and that that'll that'll let, <laughs> open up and do my thing a little bit, and and it worked out to perfection. I think. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, that was a lot of fun. That's all for this week's episode of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in a Six at thespintune dot com or tweet us at thespintune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. and I'm Al Bielsi. Quack, did, quack, quack, quack.